I said, I'm going to try a marathon. And then I said, I'm going to try to qualify for Boston. And when I qualified for Boston and I ran a sub three, my third marathon, it was in 2004. And I said to myself, I can do anything. Running has inspired me to do anything. So I quit my job and I started a business with like $200. My, my wife was luckily working at the time. So she had little, health little security, but yeah, security. Yeah. Uh, but she was uh, pregnant with my first daughter and she's like, you're crazy. Yeah, Why are course. you doing this? Yeah, of course. And, uh, but it became a success and uh, it was because of running. Hi, this is Jesse Sweeney, and this is the Pre-Race Podcast, Wasatch 100 Edition, with Brent McDermott. <laughs> that was so good. Okay. Bada bing, bada boom. Run, 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 run. Sweeney, Sweeney, Sweeney! You guys Boy Meets World fans? You ever watch Boy Meets World? I, I haven't seen it, but I sounds good. Mr. Feeney? They used to call out Mr. Feeney like that. I'm a Wonder Years guy. He, uh, you're a Wonder Years yeah. guy, huh? I'm, Wonder Years is with... Uh, Fred Savage is the Is, is that the, the main kid. Or is that... I don't think Henry Winkler's in it, no. No. What is the, what's the Fonz in? That's Happy Days, That's buddy. Happy days. <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> yeah. Is boys, it's called Boy Meets World? Boy Meets World. Is that like Game of Thrones, kind of? No, like it's... Like a spin on that? Not at all. <laughs> oh, boy. We are jamming today. We're mountain jamming. This is the, oh, mountains, we love you edition. This is the Wasatch edition. This is the, did you know that the term Wasatch was derived from the Ute word for mountain pass? And that the Ute tribe was one of the five major Native American tribes that reside in Utah. And the Ute tribe is actually how Utah got its name. Wow. Addition. Wow. It's a good fact, huh? Yeah, I didn't know that. We're coming with facts right away here. This is the Western Rocky Mountain edition. This is the, our guest today is no stranger to a proper alpine romp. You're an alpine guy, aren't you, Red? I, Jesse? I love it all. You love it. I love it all. But you I... love going big in the mountains, don't you? I do. Season two, episode 15. Shout out of today's episode. I'm excited that we have the guest host we have today for this shout out because we're doing something that we've never done for shout outs on today's episode. It's a partial shout out and partial rant. And it's just something that's been going on this week. And I just got to get it off my chest. We may have talked about it the other day, right? When we were cruising around, but the shout out of today's episode is another collective shout out. And it's going out to everyone who waves when people let you in when you're driving. And let me explain this a little bit more. Let me explain the use case here a little bit more. I'm not necessarily talking changing lanes, wave, let in. I'm talking when maybe you're pulling out of a grocery store or a gas station and you give that gap for someone to pull out. Don't, doesn't everyone wave? You'd think that everyone would just give up the wave, right? Three times this week I've done this and have not gotten acknowledged for it. And, you know, I try to be a guy. I try to be a guy who doesn't... Uh, you know, rest my hat on external validation. I try to be, you know, I try to look within and do what I feel is right at all times, but I need the wave. It's, That's it's, a form of external validation that I need. It's hurtful that they wouldn't do that. <laughs> who, who would get let in and wouldn't wave? That's my question to you, Brent. Do you wave? Yeah, 100%. All the time, right? Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. What kind of world do you live in when you're not waving at people who let you in? Are you sad, maybe? Maybe you're frustrated? I share the same frustration you have. I had a similar experience where 
and this is maybe more my own insecurity, but I was signaling someone to come out of a speedway and I'm going left onto Maple, you know, for, for non-locals, they're not they're, They don't know what, what I'm talking about, but I'm going left on Maple. They're pulling out of the speedway okay. and there was a gap and there's a line of cars behind me and I'm signaling like crazy to get this guy to go, you know, I'm talking hand out the window and this driver just didn't, didn't want to budge. <laughs> and then finally they did. And no wave, no wave. Yeah. You held up traffic for him. Yeah. Wow. So shout out, wave at people, be happy. Yeah. Be nice, right? I wave at everybody. I almost wave yeah. too much. Yeah, I wave when the, when the car is coming towards me. <laughs> I'm waving, at, Have I'm a good waving day. at people on the side of the road. I'm honking and waving. People think they know me. They don't know me. I'm, yeah. in another, I'm from another state. It's crazy, man. Yeah. Just wave when you're in the car with people. Neighbors. Be nice. Just Jesse, because, are, you, are you a waver when you run, when you pass people, pass strangers? Ooh. I, so, yeah, I'll say good, good work, good job. Nice. A little encouragement. Yeah, but you know when you say good job to somebody and you're running past them, it's also kind of passive aggressive. It's like you're almost putting them down a little bit. Like good job, I'm beating you now. Yeah, I but feel, I try to do it in a nice way, so they don't feel that way. I feel you on yeah. that. Yeah, you got to be careful with what you say. Yeah, I'm a peace sign guy. Same self. Quick, quick peace sign. Yeah, it's nice to show peace. Yeah, yeah. you know, or you could do a little hang loose. I, I think we're That's like a little a, aggressive though. We're on the verge of a civil war right now, yeah. according to the media. So yeah. it's nice to show a little peace. Just be nice to people, right? Yeah. That's really the that's the gist of this overall episode shout out. Yeah. This is just going out to people who wave at people. All right. Welcome to the PRP. This is the pre race podcast. This is a show where we connect with runners within a week before a big race they've been preparing for. And like I said, we've got a proper alpine race on our hands today and I'm excited to dig into it. Guest hosting with me today is a man that needs little introduction in this town. He's building up his reputation as one of the great race directors and community organizers in the endurance space. He is a self-proclaimed mediocre marathoner. I would think you're a little better than mediocre. You're very humble, though. These days, I'm pretty slow. That's okay. Yeah. You like it, though. Having a great time. That's all that matters. He is the brains and engine behind Bandit Races. He is a very proud dog daddy to one of his best buds, Jasper. You love Jasper, don't you? Best friend. He's, he's the guy. Yeah. How old is he? 13, maybe 14. And he still runs a bit with you, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, here and there. He's the guy. He's the guy. And he is returning to the PRP for the second time, this time as guest host, Mr. Brent McDermott. Brent, what's going on, bud? What an intro. Wow. It's good to have you here, bro. It's great to be here, yeah. I'm excited to have you here as a guest host this time, bringing a little more banter. I'm excited to learn more about Jesse Sweeney today. Yeah, me too. Uh-oh. So the first time... Jesse, this is kind of a fun fact, just for you and the PRP listenership. The first time Brent and I ever met was when he was on the podcast. Oh, wow. That's so interesting. Our, so we all have this like friendship now that we are pretty close with each other, and our first conversation ever is recorded. That's kind yeah. of cool. Yeah. I haven't gone back and listened to it, but it's cool that it's there. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. All right, you're going to kill me if I don't let you pour some coffee. I'm Jonesing, man. And we've got a big yeah. day. We have the long run PRP collaboration coffee for the first time in the studio today. So this is electrolyte infused coffee from long run with banana flavoring. Wow. And, and Brent's going to attempt to pour it. Yes, dude. That sounds amazing. <laughs> sounds great. And I would note there's bananas all over the all <laughs> hanging on, on the microphone. You can't escape it. Yeah. You can't escape it's, it. It's a, it's a jungle. <laughs> it's a rainforest. Just, you like these? Just got those. Yeah, that's great. They're fake, but I like them. Um, it feels good. It feels good in here. Yeah. It's, it's temperate today. Uh, Brent, I want to talk bandit with you. You're, like I said, you're kind of a humble guy, so I'm not going to push you too far here. But 
I mean, Bandit's kind of been on fire this summer. Can we talk about the Can we talk about the events from Bandit this summer? Or? Yeah. Okay. Let's sure. Go. So sure. we'll start with uh, kick things off with Battle of Barton Hills early May. That's probably the best way to start, right? Sure. Okay. Sure. How, how do you think it went? I thought it was great. I mean, it, that's that's the Forbidden Zone in in Ann Arbor. I can't. Jesse, were you there running? I thought so. Yeah. I was. I, I ran a bit behind you. Yeah, we were we were we were yeah, kind of so kind of close. Yeah. It was a great race. That's very what, fun. Awesome. Very fun. That's where I got. That's where I got in your ear to come on the podcast too. Remember? That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're I just, loved it. You're just I connecting people, bro. I th- I, yeah, I mean, I think um, we it was. I was with friends last night. We were talking, and um, my friend Connor and his partner Liz were there. And it's funny they met on Hinge, a dating app, and what what drew Liz to Connor was a photo from A Tezuki, which is you know a bandit race. And, uh, you know, it, it, I was, it, it made me feel great because they're like, wait, you're kind of responsible for us getting together. She's mm-hmm. like, I would not have swiped had I not seen the photo of Connor in a tutu, you know, running in the woods. So I was like, ah, that's pretty cool. But I, I don't know. I think if, if, there's, if there's one thing that I'm most proud of is maybe, you know, it, 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 if nothing else, the legacy of Bandit Races is bringing people together. Where I think there's a ton of running friendships and, um, and, and you know, some romantic ones, too, that, that yeah. have, have come from the events and, yeah. and, uh, well, the bandits have certainly grown my running network in this town by mm-hmm. like tenfold, bro. So thank you. Yeah. So we did, you got battle of Barton Hills then H Zuki popped yep. off. Yep. It was a freaking banger. Yeah. Everyone loves Zuki, bro. Yeah. Well, yeah. If I, I guess if we can just kind of succinctly do it. Okay. Battle of Barton Hills was a Jonathan McBride project. Uh, for anyone who knows Jonathan, he, he loves Barton Hills. He's, he's a big time rule follower. So this was a this was sort of pushing, was pushing his, his own limits. yeah his own limits and a, a real push and pull because I am not a rule follower so it was a yin and yang experience but I thought it went great and we I think we found our sweet spot about fifty runners for that event and then after a Tazuki which is sort of the flagship event that that was a Nick Stanko and mm-hmm. myself collaboration where we both had had a similar idea and he had the brains to put together that that course um, and sort of you know plant the seeds. And then we did the type two time trial, which was a mystery challenge where no one knew except for a few people. I think you, you knew yep. going in because yep. you, you, you've and you've been a huge help this this summer, too. That's so been a pleasure, so thanks man. to you. Yeah. But uh, that was Eric Wilk, who, who, again, had this had this incredible idea. Uh, and then, uh, you know, Olivia and Mikkel and and Nerala and, and everyone really had, had missed out on on having a track meet at Ferry Field. So we did the Treetown track meet. Um, last uh, last month, and that was a big hit, and that was uh, a huge hit. People loved that. Yeah, people loved it. So we'll do it again. Yeah, yeah. And then we have you know Moonshine Mile. I think by the time this comes out, that will have happened. But that's the one mile race in in Dexter. Then then it's time for a break. I think. Yeah, I think so, dude. You know, um, it's a so, lot of work, dude. Yeah, I a mean, lot of fun. Lot it's of busy for me helping you, but I know how much you're pushing that rock up the hill. Yeah, it's yeah. worth it though. I mean, it's 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 a ton of fun and. You know, we're we're not reinventing the wheel or you know curing cancer, but it's uh, it's bringing people together and and uh, putting on some races and seeing what we've got. Yeah. Well, Sweeney, you were going to ask him a little bit about Bandit HQ and how he runs it. Oh yeah, I was just curious about the organizational makeup of not the makeup, but but how it works and who's in charge. You, you appear to be the man behind it, the brains behind the operation. I guess yeah, by default, you know. Um, I mean, so come on, you're being humble, bro. It's it's your it's your baby. It's my baby, but you know, um the 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 goal is usually just, you know, maybe empower people who 
maybe don't have that platform, if they have an idea, if I can help develop it and however far they want to take it and, and do it, they can, they can just, you know, run with it. And if I can teach them some things on the marketing front or just on the nuts and bolts of, um, as, as simple as just, Hey, well, this is where you should put these signs on race day, or this is how you operate a timing clock, that kind of stuff. So, yeah. um, it's, it, yeah, like I say, it's pretty informal. If someone has an idea, then I know, you know, Jesse, you and I have, have spitballed some ideas before that maybe will come to fruition one day, maybe not, who knows, but, uh, that's, that's sort of the, it's, you know, there, there's no org chart. There's, there's no, uh, there's a, ba- you got a glorious basement though, bro. We do, I, yeah. 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 If you're, if you, if you have a project when you're house hunting, yeah, you, when you, when you find something that like this, this, the basement came with shelving that it's as amazing, someone who's yeah. not handy, I knew that there was no way I would be able to replicate it. So I saw it and said, I think this is the one we gotta, we gotta, we gotta buy this house. And we gotta, we'd be remiss if we didn't shout out Chelsea. Oh yeah. Big she, time. She, has, she gives you a long leash on, on the time that you sink into this stuff. I yeah. think so. Yeah. Yeah. With, with, yeah, without her, none of this happens because, um, you know, it's, she's, she's just an amazing partner all around, but, uh, having someone that's, that's not a runner, not in the endurance space, but is so enthusiastic and, and picks things up so quickly too, yeah. where she'll come to a race and she'll give great feedback afterwards and, yep. and, and be able to pick up on, on things. So it's, yeah. And, and the number of hours that she puts in too, just helping me with just the most thankless types of, of, of tasks, the craziest shit. putting together, pouring concrete you know, in the backyard, pouring concrete <laughs> in the backyard on a Friday with our friend Jack and his <laughs> His six-month pregnant wife hanging out in the backyard, uh, just baking in the sun. I mean, it's when it's when you know you have good friends when 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 you ask them and they. That's how dreams are made, yeah, right there. I guess yeah. so, yeah. Sweeney, have you ever met Chelsea, his partner? I have. Okay. Yeah, very nice. She's great. Yeah, she's, she's very awesome. she's very sarcastic too. That's why I love Chelsea. Doesn't run, but her, contributes to the running community. Yeah, yeah. She'll dabble with a run, but I just love her humor. Chelsea. Oh yeah, you're yeah. hilarious, dude. This coffee's incredible, by the way. Isn't it? Yeah. And you're not just saying that, huh? I'm not. Yeah. You you know I'm, yeah. <laughs> You'll be honest with coffee. I'm a, yeah. You're quite the coffee snob. Yeah. Well, well now you're critic. listening up. Yeah, yeah, you're a critic, yeah. but you'll drink it all. Okay. Brent, it's good to have you here. We're going to dig into a couple housekeeping items here before we introduce the very special guest of the episode. In honor of the bold endeavor our esteemed guest has on his doorstep this upcoming weekend, we're going with Mountain Facts today more specifically we're going to go ahead and do a geological deep dive are you ready sweeney i love it I, i'm i'm big into geology you're i don't know enough about it you're a geology guy you'd say i mean a, you know lava yeah. gravel <laughs> obsidian gold silver <laughs> sedimentary whatever <laughs> all right here we go there are three did you know there are three main types of mountains fold mountains fault block mountains and volcanic mountains they got their names from the way they were formed Fold mountains are formed when two plates run into each other or collide. The force of the two plates running into each other causes the Earth's crust to crumble and fold. Many of the world's great mountain ranges are fold mountains, including the Andes, the Himalayas, and the Rocky Mountains. The Rocky Mountains. Your favorite. That's your favorite range, isn't it, Jesse? Well, so far. Well, yeah, so far. Yeah. Okay, so the next type of mountain, fault block mountains. Fault block mountains are formed along faults where some large blocks of rock are forced upwards while others are forced down. The higher area is sometimes called the Horst, and the lower is called the Graben. The Sierra Nevada mountains are a good example of fault block mountains. I'm not 100% sure here, but the Wasatch Range 
is the western part, the, the furthest western part of the Rocky Mountains. And although the Rocky Mountains are fold mountains, I'm pretty sure that there's a large fault line along the Salt Lake Valley. So the Wasatch Range might be kind of a hybrid fold and fault block mountain. So yeah, that's interesting. I'm probably never going to deeper lead check that out PRP listenership, but that's just a little seed nugget for you to take and run with. I probably will look at, look that up. You're going to go a little deeper on that. that? Yeah, I do that. If you find out, let me know. I'll send you a message. Okay. (laughs) All right, sweetie. Uh, Last type of mountains are volcanic mountains, mountains that are caused by volcanic activity. There are two types of volcanic mountains, volcanoes and dome mountains. Volcanoes are formed when magma erupts all the way to the surface of the earth. The magma will harden on the earth's surface, forming a mountain. Pretty straightforward. Dome mountains are formed when a large amount of magma builds up below the earth's surface. This forces the rock above the magma to bulge out, forming a mountain. Examples of volcanic mountains include Mount Fiji in Japan and Mount Mauna Loa in Hawaii. You ever been to Hawaii? I, I haven't. I'd like to go. Have you ever cl- climbed a volcanic mountain, or are you I, uh, mostly? I think a... So I think it, I go to Puerto Rico sometimes, and uh, there's. I think Puerto Rico is a volcanic island. Island, yeah. So you've probably dabbled in all three types of these mountains. Accidentally. Yeah. Okay. I stumbled upon it. Yeah, you're a mountain Just man. Walking out. Uh, Brent, what is th- have you dabbled with all three types of mountains before? I'm not a rock hound. I don't. I don't know. No, you're not yeah. a rock hound, but that's okay. You, you did GLR for the first time this year. Mm-hmm. He's kind of. You got a taste for the trail now, bro. You know, for a while, I was trying to get him out on the trail. It's tough. It's and, tough. And, it's he, a, it's and he was telling me I can't do the trail, uh, but then he did the trail, and he did it well. And he's, he's liking it. I don't know if he likes it, wants us to, you know, it's interesting. publicly state it on the pod, yeah. but he's, he, he likes the trail. Trails are tricky. You got to focus. You can't, you can't slip or trip, but yeah, he did a great job. It's growing on you. At least admit that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and you know, as you know, I had COVID about a month ago, mm-hmm. which is why I may, I may sound different than last time I was here. Mm-hmm. And I will say that doing a couple trail runs was helpful where I just, I did not want to be looking at my pace or my watch because um, just instinctively, I would think I, I would need to be popping in a little bit faster. So and that was, and that was nice. Stress-free. Yeah. And then just a, a 10 second story. Okay. Like my last trail run. Okay. I saw a dog running free and I thought maybe I was, I was seeing something. I, I love dogs so much. I was like, ah, there's no way that was a dog. But I, I went into the Sunset Brooks area. This dog darts away, and then a couple hours later on next door, I see that a dog had gone missing in that neighborhood in Water Hill. Okay. So I contacted the owner, and then they started a search party around that area. Didn't They, they did recover the dog eventually. Where was it? Get this. The dog had bolted when they were moving into an apartment in Carytown and, and then went through Water Hill. Okay. The dog found its way three days later back to their old apartment, Crossed the Huron River to get there. It was, a, it was like a real-life Homeward Bound situation. That is a real-life Homeward Bound. Yeah. That's and a that southeast was, Michigan. It was recovered by neighbors. <laughs> Isn't that nuts? The true bandit dog there. Yeah. Yeah. What was the dog's name? Did you ever catch it? Loca. Shout out to Loca, dude. Yeah. So, so Loca went to the prior address. Yeah. yeah. Previous home. Yep. Yeah. And had the grand crossing of the Huron. Yeah. Had to cross Huron to get there. Wow. That's Jeez. Why, that's why you have to do mail forwarding with the U.S. Postal Service. <laughs> <laughs> the dog needs to find its way back. Yes, Sweeney. Uh, right. Love that, bud. All right. Oh, my gosh. All right, Sweeney's tipping us off for the joke of the sode. Today's joke is going to be short and sweet. I think I've been kind of lingering too long with the joke of the sode, so apologies there, PRP listenership. We're going mountain jokes. Let's stay on theme. 
Why not? I love it. Here we go. A mountain lion, a bear, and a duck walk into a bar. Bartender says, holy shit, everyone stay calm, call animal control. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> because of the... It's like you think they're going to say something to each other. Yeah. That's uh, like a... <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we had to explain the joke this time, so I mean, yeah. it's not that good. The, no, it's pretty good. <laughs> a, little bit of brain, a little bit of brain fog from the old uh, COVID. Bartender's doing the right thing. Bartender yeah. is doing the right thing. Yeah. He, 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 he was trained well. You know? He was. He, he looked at the training to, books. Yeah. Liability insurance doesn't cover mountain lions. <laughs> he would know. A real company man. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so quotes today. Episode quote is coming to us from the quirky goat himself. The man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Dr. Seuss, rather. Don't sleep on Dr. Seuss, bro. You got a lot of knowledge in those words. Quick question before we go. <laughs> Quick question before we dive into this. Don't think, just answer. Brent, you a Dr. Seuss guy or a Shell Silverstein guy? Shell Silverstein. Dr. Seuss. You're I a Seuss it. guy, oh, huh? Yeah, I love it. I figured I you were. Yeah, I figured you were a Seuss guy. Yeah. And so I've, here's what I've done with this. It's two Dr. Seuss quotes combined into one customized for you okay are you ready uh, let's do it here we go you have brains in your head you have feet in your shoes you can steer yourself in any direction you choose you're off to great places today jesse is your day the mountains are waiting so get on your way i love it Poof. i got chills fucking seuss bro yeah it's so simple it's next level it's just so it's like his uh he just shaves down all the all the fluff yeah you don't need the fluff for he doesn't go to the thesaurus. He doesn't do anything. He goes straight to the point. Yeah. No, he's great. Yeah, thank you. And he rhymes. He rhymes. That's really what brings it all together, yeah. dude. But I'm not mad at you for being a Silverstein guy. Because Silverstein's got his own kind of elegant way I of love, doing things, I, too. I'm a, I'm a fan. I like the pictures. I like the pictures, too. Yeah. Uh, what was it? Falling, falling up? Falling up? Yeah. Where the sidewalk ends mm-hmm. and falling mm-hmm. up, I think, was the two, yeah. sh- two shells, two big ones. Yeah, falling upwards or... Something like there's that. There's something right? with the stair. Yeah, there's a stairs thing too. And yeah. then his his book is his his famous book is the Giving Tree. Oh, I've never read the Giving Tree. It's yeah. a good it's a good one. The, my only problem with Shel Silverstein is that it's black and white, and I like a little color. I need color yeah. pictures. Seuss is going to hit you with some color. Right. Hard. Yeah, those trees. Almost those... too almost too hard yeah. with the color. Right? What kind of trees are those things? The fluffer trees. I just love them. What I, are they called? I love everything in the Seuss Lorax? land. I think so. It's an environmental. It was a green. Creature. Wow, we got some sirens on there. Yeah, things are going bad out there. <laughs> it's going bad. <laughs> All right, Brett, what do you think? You think it's time to introduce the Let's special go. guest of Let's the episode? It, Let's do it. Yeah. All right, our guest today is an eccentric runner who is no stranger to big mountain efforts. He is a proud father to three beautiful children. He is a Chapter 13 bankruptcy attorney. He is a proud member of the Rocky Mountain Runner Group, and he is a tremendous Strava follow. Brett and I were just talking about it. He'll pop up here, there, and everywhere, won't he? We'd, lo- we'd love to see Jesse's heat map. He just, he'll be in like, you'll do something in Southeast Michigan one day, and the next day you're just dropping a mountain run, dude. <sighs> it happens sometimes. You're a rambling man. Anyways, Mr. Jesse Sweeney, Jay Sweeney, my guy. It's good to have you here, bro. It is great to be here. I love this podcast, and I'm excited to be here. I l- Thank you. I like it. It's a cool It's a cool space we got up here, too. It's huh? amazing, and, and the listeners might not know this, but I had to come up a spiral staircase. It kind of reminded me of the movie The Lighthouse okay. with the Daniel Defoe, if you've seen that. Yep. 
That's a crazy movie. That is a it's crazy a great movie. movie. Yeah, it kind of set the vibe with the spiral staircase. Yeah, and you're huh? coming up the spiral staircase, and it's like, whoa, what is going on? Yep. And when you have is that the one with Robert Pattinson? Yes. I gotta watch that. That's it's been on my watch list for a while. Yeah, that's a good movie. And, you know, there's not a lot happening, but the, the performances are amazing. Okay. And I just thought, oh boy, I'm gonna I'm gonna get killed up here. Yeah. Yeah. It's all right, but it's beautiful when you get up here. It's it's a great space with bananas. Bananas, leaves. You can go out. You can go out, and there's like the Matrix roof situation. It's amazing, huh? It's an outdoor. If you thought escape. you were going to get murdered in this podcast studio, talk to Brent about the last place we recorded last season. Well, this that studio, was more murderous. That was like a panic room. <laughs> I was into it, but yeah, I felt I felt, I felt safe, but it was, it, was, it was a panic cement room. basement with no windows, bro. This studio itself is amazing. It's I know. beautiful. It's bright. It's li- it's. Yeah, Look at this, the too. skylights Look up here. Look at the skylights. We're killing it. It's dude. the stairs that are, woo. I know. A little bit. It's chef's kiss, Hitch- huh? Yeah, it's like Hitchcock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, nice coffee pour, Brent. Oh, look at that. Give it a, this coffee's incredible. Give it a sip, too. Yeah. We'll give you a, Shout out to Long Run Coffee. Yeah, we'll give you a mic, we'll give you a mic sip. I'm here. off the caffeine until this race, so but this afterwards, is really. I'm going to give you a bag. You get a bag for being on the I show. I love it. Yeah. Thank you. So once you're done with the race. Yeah. How was it? Yeah. It's delish. Yeah. It? Uh, yeah. All right, Jesse. You're kind of a wild guy. Everyone loves you. And this podcast has kind of been in the works for a while. I dropped this seed a few months ago. I've been waiting to, to talk to you. So we're really excited. First question. Okay. Have you ever been on a podcast? This is my first podcast ever. Yes, dude. Yeah. It's a good one to start. Kind of loosen you up a little bit. Yeah, I like it. We won't kill you. We will not murder you up here, okay? It's a little like a deposition. That's the only, <laughs> the only thing. Yeah, I everything you say is recorded. So. That's right. Yeah. Brent's kind of my lawyer for this. Yeah, keeping so you honest. I, if I'm not supposed to answer, Brent's going to come in right. and say, and right. object. Um, second question here. We've touched on it, and I'm sure we'll go deeper in the work-life balance section. But let's talk about this Colorado-Michigan situation you got going on here. How do you... So before, I kind of know you. I'm closer with you now, but less on a directly intimate side. But like through the, the grapevine, I've heard that you practice law in Colorado, which is how you get out there all the time. But like... Roll the tape back and tell me how this whole situation like began. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Um, my wife wanted to go for our anniversary trip, and we were married in February, so she wanted to go on our anniversary trip to Colorado to go skiing, and I wasn't into it. She's from Puerto Rico. I said, you know, Colorado's cold. I've been in cold my whole life. I don't want to go anywhere cold. Okay. So anyway, she convinced me to do this. We, you know, we got all the gear, all the stuff. How long ago was this? I think maybe 2010. Or okay, something like so that. 10 plus years. Yeah. Okay. And, and anybody who uh, knows skiing knows you have to buy a lot of stuff. You need to, you need a lot of you need the snow pants, the jacket. It's a whole it's a whole skis, deal. The poles, it's heavy. And then we went and we went to Vail. That was the first place that we had gone, and it's at 8,000 feet. And I just remember carrying all this crap and just feeling out of breath. And this is terrible. Why am I doing this? Okay. The worst thing ever. All right. So I really didn't want to go. But once I started doing the runs on the Bunny Hill, I, I loved it, and I immediately got hooked onto skiing. And then within a year, I think Vail purchased Mount Brighton, okay. which uh, our listeners might not know. This it's like a two hundred foot hill up in Brighton, Michigan, and you know and it, it's not really. Also, isn't it a landfill? It's a for, yeah, it's a landfill. They they built a couple of highways and they put the dirt there, right? Yep. So not exactly the Alps or something for skiing, but they bought it, and so you could get a local pass there. And then you could ski uh, 10 days for free at any of the resorts out west. So I got a local pass, and I was like, well, I got to use these these 10 days. And every year for, for about two or three years, I would go out there, and I would uh, ski for free. 
And my wife eventually said, you know, this is, you know, you, you shouldn't be doing this. This is not a good idea. So uh, I had to kind of figure out a way to do this and also benefit my business. And Colorado is one of these jurisdictions where you could be licensed in, this, in federal courts in Michigan and also licensed in federal courts in Colorado. Okay. You can have reciprocity. So you don't have to take the bar there to practice if you're practicing in federal court, which was great. So I did that. I opened up a bankruptcy practice out there, and I thought I would take a couple of cases so that I could ski. And then somehow I started trail running out there, and business picked up, and then business in Colorado was actually bigger than it was in Michigan. Wow. So I was having to fly there once a month, and then it had to be twice a month, and eventually I was going there every week for hearings. Yeah. And it got kind of crazy. So that, that's kind of how it started. That's pretty and, incredible, though, dude. And then I got... I, I, I did occasionally Island Lake here in Michigan, uh, a trail system uh, near Brighton, okay. and I would do uh, the Potawatomi Trail on occasion, maybe once every two weeks. Okay. But I didn't really get into trail running until I was out there. Because, you know, you're running up a trail, and, and then you stop and look, and you've got this beautiful view. Oh, it's on another and level. It, it's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's so. pretty easy to get hooked once you're doing it out there, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So well, that, that's basically. Well, there you go. Yeah. So you're a dually. So you so you don't have to take the bar in Colorado because it's a federal court. I eventually did take the bar. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, I didn't take the bar, but I, I became licensed. Uh, you have to take the, uh, the ethics exam uh, okay. there and uh, go through a class uh, to take that. But I did that, and now I'm licensed in both states. Oh, so I can practice in both. Yeah. Wow. Jesse, where do you where do jealous. you sleep when you're out in Colorado? Do you have do you have your own place there, or do you just uh, stay in a hotel when you're visiting? Yeah, you, so I lo- I like to go up and down the Front Range. I like to go to uh, run in Boulder. Sometimes I like Golden, and sometimes I like the, the Sp- Colorado Springs, and sometimes I like to go into the mountains, uh, into mm. the high country. So I I've kind of looked at buying a house there, uh, uh, like a vacation home or, or a rental or something like that. But the problem is then you're you're stuck in one location, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And every mm-hmm. time I stay in Golden. I miss Boulder, and every time I stay in Boulder, I miss Golden. Mm-hmm. So I like to stay. I'll usually stay at a really cheap hotel. Mm-hmm. You've spoken like a true rambling man. You I'm know? a rambling man. He's a rambling man. Yeah. Lord, I was born a rambling man. You like that song? Nice, dude. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, that's such a great song. The Almond Brothers. I love that. Well, that's pretty cool, bro. I'm jealous. Not many people would be able to situate something like that. It's weird because normally you situate your life around your business or your your hobbies around your business like where you happen to work but in this case i threw my business towards the thing that i love which is skiing and then running it's pretty cool and somehow that worked out yeah it's lately i gotta be honest my business is like is actually tanking that's a long that's a long story but it's kind of the residual effects of the pandemic bankruptcy wasn't very popular when people are getting billions of dollars right yeah exactly uh at any rate, for a long time, that worked, and it's very surprising. They say, you know, chase your dreams, you know, uh, and that's kind of what I lucked into, and, and so I was very fortunate and blessed that that would happen. There you go. Take a page out of Sweeney's book on that yeah. one, dude. Follow your hobbies. Maybe that's, yeah, maybe that's There's the something way to, to do it, it, man. Yeah. Uh, okay, last question here before we jump into the rules of the pod. You mentioned something about bananas being radioactive. Yeah, you know, I was... Oh, if oh, that's the case, I'm in deep shit, man. Yeah, I think it's point. I think it's point one rem or something in every banana. So you'd have to eat a hundred bananas a day, okay, to be equal to the amount of radiation you get from naturally occurring background radiation. Okay, so I'm not worried about it. Okay, but I eat a lot of bananas. I eat two a day. Yeah. Okay. Over time, that adds that adds up. Adds up to like. 
cancer. Or- I got to look into this a little more, dude. I'm so you're a two day, two a day guy. On a good day, I'd probably have four or five bananas. Whoa. What yeah. about you, Brent? You one a day or just kind of one, maybe one a-, a day, one every morning, okay. and then occasionally if I'm on a smoothie kick, then I'll throw, throw in. Jason yeah. Hall, another big banana guy. He probably eats two or three a day. Yeah. Wow. I mean. They can, I think they can. I think like the potassium. If you, for example, you can over, you can eat too much potassium sometimes. Yeah, yeah. You'd have to add a lot of dates to that. Lindsay has told yeah. me don't go into the double digits with bananas, and, and as long as you don't per day, per day you're good. Yeah. So that's kind of my yeah, kill my you. limit. You can kill someone with a frozen banana if you throw it at them. Hundred <laughs> percent. You know, we'll, we'll double down on the love for bananas here. I just think that it's such a great fruit because you don't have to wash it, because it has a natural cover. No, you don't have to wash. Is there any other fruits that are that accessible where it's like no worries on like no wash, no need to wash? I can't think of any. I can't think of any unless I'm maybe picking a berry. Even if I could think of any, I wouldn't want to because this is all about bananas. It's nature's wrapper. Rules of the banana. (laughs) (laughs) All right, here we go. Rules of the podcast. Brent knows them. Sweeney might know them. Rule number one: you have to be vulnerable. I might. I might start crying. You can do it. You should. I'm feeling like it right now. Rule number two, Sweeney, you got to be honest. I'll, I'll be as honest as possible. You'll be as honest. But I'm as not under oath. He is yeah. a lawyer. I'm not under so. oath. He isn't under oath. This is, this is uh, a deposition. We're doing the Trump, <laughs> we're doing the Trump rule. Yeah. If you're not under oath, you can say, say whatever you want. Yeah, whatever. Uh, rule number three, McDermott's rule. Guest host serves primary arbitrator. I'd actually like to, we've kind of done a deep dive on this before, but is me saying that he's the primary arbitrator, is that the right term? I mean, only if you and I are in conflict. Right, okay. He's going to be the final judge. But okay. I don't feel like you ever really get into any battles no. with your no. guests. But that's the right, I'm using the right legal terminology there yeah. technically, right? Yeah. Or and an arbitration maybe, is before going into court. Is that right, Jesse? Well, you could do it, as a, you could do it instead, of, instead of litigating. It's okay. like a separate forum to okay. litigate matters. That's how we do it here on the PRP. And, but usually the consumer loses and the corporation wins in an arbitration setting. I'm the corporation. Oh, so well, there you take go. The- <laughs> I'm, I'm doomed. I, I think of myself as the fact checker or like the um, what's it, what's what's the role on a, on a company's website, like a journalism thing. The starts with an O, not uh, octagon, octagon, <laughs> or not omnibus, but something like that. I don't know. It's all right. God, I must sound something. so dumb right you're, now. No, you don't sound dumb. You're doing the right. I, things. I don't know what you're. You're I, doing the right things here. There's probably a word for it. I yeah. don't know what it is. I'll look it up. Go ahead and look it talking. up. Go ahead and look yeah. it up. Uh, okay. Jesse, softballs, to get things rolling here, tell us what race you're training for. I'm training for actually two races. Okay. Two races. There's two going on. Yeah, I've got, I've got Wasatch 100 coming up. And that's this weekend, that's correct? Fri- coming up Friday to Saturday. Wow. Yeah. So what is that, Friday, September 9th or 10th? Yeah, the 9th to the 10th, and I'm turning 48 at the race. No way. Yeah, it's going to be my birthday. Happy birthday. That's Happy a, birthday, what a, buddy. What a fucking yeah. gift to yourself there, brother. Isn't that fun? Yeah, that yeah, is. I'm going to, as soon as I roll into that aid station mm-hmm. after my birthday, I'm going to let everybody know. You should. Yeah. People will be excited. And I'm going to play the 50 Cent song. Yeah, you should. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I know what song you're talking about. How does go. that go? You want to go for it's it? It's your birthday. Go, sweetie. Go, sweetie. It's your birthday. That's We're going to party like it's yeah. your birthday. You're doubling down on uh, birthday miles, too. You you're know, birthday miles are going to be 48. He's going to hundo. That's right. I'll do fifty each day. Yeah. Yeah. Said, Fuck it. You look incredible, by the Thank way. Thank you. For, oh, yeah. Especially knowing really now nice. that you're turning forty-eight. You're good looking. Hey, you're a good looking. Yeah. That's nice. Your wife is very lucky. Um, uh, what's the second yeah. race you're training for? 
uh, Grand Rapids Marathon. You're going GR Marathon. I'm going to do that. Yeah. Okay. And then somewhere between, I don't really count as training. I'm going to. I've got invited Don to a Dances with Dirt team. So. Hmm. So you do it all. I, you know, I love to race. I'm not really good at it, but I love it. Yeah. That's all that matters. Pushing it. You have fun with it, right? Yeah, I, I do have a lot of fun. Okay. Uh, yeah. Let's talk specifically this this course. Yeah. Because this course has got a bit of a soft spot in me heart, mate. Because I was born and raised in Salt Lake. Okay. This is this this course, this mountain range is where I fell in love with mountains. Yeah. This is beautiful. my stomping grounds, dude. It's beautiful. So this course got twenty four thousand feet of cumulative gain. So you're going to be climbing quite a bit, bro. Yeah, this is a lot of climbing. I'm a little worried. Let me ask you something. I'm a lot worried. On these Colorado, Utah, Rocky Mountain efforts, are you a pull guy? You know, it seems like you don't pull. I never see you with poles in your hand. I will pull during certain sections of a race. Okay. Uh, I just did this race called Never Summer. Yep. In uh, the Never Summer Mountains. You uh, love that one, huh? It's beautiful. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, the first the first half of it is gorgeous. Second half is kind of boring, but it's at night, so it doesn't matter. Yep. But uh, anyway, Matt, there's this climb. It's like a mile and a half, I think, up, and it's very steep. And you definitely want to have poles. You for want that. some poles for that one? Yeah. Okay. So, so, and, and, and so you will car- you'll carry poles with you? I will I will usually put them in a drop bag. And for, for Wasatch, there is, as you probably know, there's this 5,000-foot climb in the beginning oh, called yeah. Bear Canyon. Oh, yeah, bud. And, uh, you know, everybody's like, bring poles, but I really don't want to carry the poles after that climb. Dude, that climb at the beginning is insane, bro. Between 5 to 10, between miles 5 to 10, you spike up 5,000 feet. Right. And then, bro, and then kind of like... I don't know how much you deep dive, but I'm looking at an elevation profile from miles like 45 to pretty much 70. You're kind of on like a slow incline of that same amount. Right. And then after that, there's a, apparently a couple of steep climbs and <sighs> steep descents that are not runnable. Yeah. That's where I think I want because I don't have a ton of poles. Like right. I could buy like six pole sets of poles and plant them in all my drop bags. I don't like carrying them. Yeah. It's almost more annoying. Bit of a nuisance for you. Yeah. I mean, I'll just, you know. I'll just you go hands on knees method kind of I just, do I do yeah. yeah okay yeah there's there's people that lo- love them people that hate them I'm kind of in the middle yeah depends okay. on the race depends on what the situation is yeah let's talk uh, since you brought it up I think it's a good one I struggle with this uh, as a mountain runner myself uh, I'm a pole guy and I couldn't do it without him but I'm a strong climber I consider myself a pretty strong climber I really struggle with descending it really blows you out oh you mean the quads I j- just every the yeah the steep descents like everything it's quads it's knees it's my hip that I've been having issues with when I'm going down these mountains that's what really kills me you yeah. struggle with descending or do you just kind of go full send what uh, do you do I usually I, I do the Boston Marathon rule which is uh, high turnover and short steps okay if you do that and you lean forward a little bit and you're on the balls of your feet as opposed to uh, your heels, I feel like you can spare your quads. So I do the same so thing. So you do a little pitter-patter down. As fast as I can, I try to count in my head. I try to go like 200 to 220 for cadence if I can okay. down, down oh, a hill. 200? If I can. Just typewriter down a hill because I feel like it saves your quads. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there, there's some stuff that's really steep and, you know, then you're on the brakes. And you're just fucked. You're pretty much fucked. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Did you find out what that O word was, fact checker? Ombudsman. Oh, oh yeah, I like that. Right. Nice, yeah. Brent. Good for you, dude. Um, yeah. Jesse, this is an interesting one. I don't even know if you'll be able to put your finger on it, but we're going to give you the fingers out. Fingers are ready. are ready. What race of your career is this? Oh, I have no idea. I you, have no idea. The ultra, I mean, I've got, I've done maybe 100 road races, and then I've got 
maybe 20 something marathons. I don't know. It's a lot. You're probably in the triple digits, right? Uh, yeah. Or, or, oh, yeah. Or approaching, or you think you're yeah, over I mean, that for ultra, It'll be my third 100. Let's put it that way. Okay. I, I'm batting 500. The first one I did was I Am Tough out in Idaho, and that was a disaster. Okay. Um, and then I did the bear, which was also a disaster, but I finished. Yep. And then this will, yeah, this will be my third, I think. Yeah. Amazing. It's just a different animal. Like, I can handle the 50, I can handle the 100K. I've got those all down. But after 70... It's weird, huh? Things get crazy. I'm a little... I'm doing bear. That's my first 100 this year. You're going to do great. I'm excited, but I'm a, little, I'm a little nervous. It's just... You know, as a roadrunner, you get pulled in to doing a certain pace that feels good. And then you're, you're shredded yeah. for the last 25 or 30. Yeah, that's where that's, I'm... That's my problem, at least. Not everybody's yeah. like that. Post 100K distance, I'm a little curious to see what happens to the old body. But talk to me when I, you and I were talking maybe a few months ago, uh, and not to harp on something negative here, but you had a DNF at one of these one time that you said ended up being a worse experience because you had to hike out. Yeah. So you pretty much should have just finished the race. Yeah, that was I Am Tough. That was I Am Tough. Okay. Yeah. Which, so. is, which is, you know, which is a tough race. Yeah, okay. So walk us through what happened there. You just what mile? Where did you just say fuck it and walk off? And well, then... it was a great race for a very long time. Okay. Uh, part of the problem was that I had stashed my lights in a later aid station, and I had to. I was running to catch up to those to that light okay. before, before the sun went down. Okay. So I definitely pushed it a little harder uh, for a while. I got to I think maybe sixty five or something like that, or sixty four aid station. The sun went down. I got cold. Uh, I went to the heating tent. I fell asleep for a while. I went from like maybe 30th place to maybe 130th. I just, okay. you know, people just kept coming through. So the there. wind was out coming out of your sails pretty much. It was a disaster. And then, you know, I, I, I had some broth and I said, all right, I'm going to make it to the top here. And what I didn't realize is that I left my phone at that aid. Like it was in a, it was in a, uh, a bag, a drop bag. Okay. I had some other stuff in there too. And I just left it. I thought they were at the next aid. Oh shit. And I wanted to listen to some music and that was going to kind of spur me on. Yeah. Right. And then I got up to this aid station. I was with a 58-year-old. There's all these like really old people. Isn't it amazing? In an ultra it's that amazing. will kick your ass. Kick your ass. And they just, there was a guy I was with and he was not that friendly, but he was pushing it up the hill and I felt like I was going to vomit. I'm like, how is this guy doing it? He should be dead. <laughs> Statistically, he shouldn't be alive. But he's whooping on me. And we get up to the top and then he just kept going. And I got up to the top and... This aid station is very remote. Okay. There's no highway or anything. There's no road that leads to it. So they had to get goats to carry all the stuff up. Yeah, okay. So you get up there, and there's just not a lot. There's not a lot to eat. There were some quesadillas and I think some soup, and I wanted something more sugary, and there was nothing available, and I'm bonking, and I'm cold, and I'm tired, and I'd hurt my, I'd also hurt my uh, right foot a little bit, and I had blisters, and I was like, you know, I'm just going to take a nap here. So I went to sleep for maybe seven, maybe six or seven hours or something. Wow. And I woke up, I had popped out of the tent, and there was a goat, like, looking at me. If you've ever woken up in a strange place, and you're like, where am I? Like, you're, you're in a hotel, and you wake up, you're like, for that second, you're yeah. like, where am I? Right. I had that experience twice, because I, I was like, oh, my God, where, why am I in a tent? <laughs> I never camp. And then I opened this thing up, and it's like Satan. It was like... The black goat from I forget the name of that movie. What's the what's Can the movie you clarify? Goat? You're talking a real live goat. Yeah, yeah, because they use goats. The 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 race group uses goats to bring up all the stuff. When you them. said that they had goats, yeah. as a roadrunner, I'm assuming this is some ultra jargon. No, they were where not. where it's a human being that's like a mule taking no, 
stuff from point A to B. You mean a live goat? Yeah, these are animals. Yeah, these are the the farm wow. animals. There were like five or six of them. How up do there. they know where to go? It was like I, I don't know the name of the movie, but with Black Phillip, and he's a he's a talking goat that speaks in the voice of Satan. <laughs> If you get a chance to watch that, it's a great family. I I it's a great date movie. Is this like a like a eighties or nineties uh, movie? It was in the two thousands. Oh, really? Weird. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> but so like I open the thing and it's Black Phillip. He's like, you know, I was expecting him to say hello. Sweet, you're dead now. And by the way, when I was going up this thing with this dude, this sixty-year-old, I don't know this. AARP member. <laughs> we were going up this thing, and I swear I saw cars in a highway. It was my first hallucination, which was nice. Okay. And so I was like, hey, I got up there. I was like, guys, can you get me a car ride out of here? I want to leave. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why would anybody do this? Get me out of here. And he said, there's no, there's no road here. Yeah, okay. It's just the goats. <laughs> That's how we got all our stuff. Oh anyway, so I started going down. So you about you, seven hours. So later, you bailed off the out. course. You said I'm done. I bailed off. I was like, okay. F this S, and I yep. started going okay. down. And I noticed these people coming up that look like people you see at the grocery store, okay, or at the mall. Just out for a cruise, kind of, or just people that don't run. Okay, that's the thing about this. You see people that in the last third of a of an ultra that are doing these hundreds that are definitely not runners, yeah. like. You, if you put them in a 5K, they would finish in 40, 50 minutes. And God bless them for doing it. They're amazing people. Yeah. But it shows you, number one, anybody can probably do this, except for me. And, <laughs> and also, it's literally like your neighbor. Like, you see the people walking in your neighborhood? You see people out walking mm -hmm. their dogs mm -hmm. and walking fast? That's the people that are in the ultra. That's the 100-mile group. And by the way, they're coming up with the biggest smiles on their faces. Like, really happy people. Yeah. And I'm crying, and I'm, like, balancing on my poles, like, trying not to fall. Mm-hmm. I went down this thing and I hitchhiked. I got out of there. And that and was I, that. Well, one of my other buddies also DNF'd. I didn't know that at the time. Okay. And we went and got some lunch. And then we went and got some ice cream. Okay. Like after lunch, I felt great. I took a shower, got some ice cream. And, and he said, you know what? There's still five hours left of this race. Did he go back out? No, we didn't go back okay. out. But we just realized like. We should have grinded it we out. We should have just finished this thing. Yeah, okay. I could have been done by now. Right. Like, I just blew it. So that's what I did to the bear. So kind of a good lesson for you, though. If you get to feeling that way again in these longer efforts, you'll probably lean on that experience and say, let's just finish it, even though... Well, yeah, that's what I did at the bear. But the humi the, the thing about the bear is, is the great humiliation. Like, a hundred of those other runners, instead of, like, me seeing them coming mm -hmm. as I was going, they were just passing me. Yeah, as okay. I was walking down a hill, there was a guy in cargo shorts. Mm -hmm. There was a guy chewing tobacco. Mm -hmm. There was a lady with whiskey in her flask that passed me legit offered me some whiskey like this is not what you think when you tell people hey i did a hundred they kind of think, think of the killian yeah, yeah jim, did, jim walmsley <laughs> right claire gallagher or like uh courtney dewalter yep. yeah that's not the vibe really i mean it is at no. the front but the, well, the, the vibe is the oil change yeah <laughs> the broad majority the broad yeah, majority the, of the waiting room at the, at the dentist <laughs> at the dentist <laughs> well there you go. Didn't you say also that Tush, didn't you cry at Tushers? I've cried at a lot of races. Yeah, okay. I haven't cried in a, well, I cried in a marathon, but at the end of a marathon, I was like, this training segment was horrible. But uh, Tushers is a, a 100K in Utah, and it's in this isolated mountain range. It's kind of like an island, as you know. It's fucking in, amazing. In like too. southern Utah. Yeah. It's not Moab, but it's, it's weird. And um, it is a very, very technical course. Yeah. 
uh, I was at I was doing pretty good at mile 35. I, first of all, I dropped my water bottle. I, I put it in my back and I dropped it earlier. So I wasn't drinking enough water. That was part of the story. But I got to mile 35. I was feeling really good. And as you know, there's this climb out of there that it's a switchback on this old log road or mining road or something. And it went from bad to worse. I, st- I started crying. Um, <laughs> so, I don't know why I put a Taylor Swift song. Like, I'm not a Taylor Swift fan, but she yeah. did this. Bon Iver slash oh, like indie. It's a great record. album. Yeah. It's a pretty good re- it album. Is. It is. And there's like a song on there. And the song came on. And it just hit differently. I just I just was like, oh my God. Emotional. Yeah. 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 So, I was like, I started I started weeping. It's a little combo. A little... I was laughing and weeping. Yeah. Yeah. T Swift in the mountains will do it to you. Dude, it it was crazy. And then I, I kept going and eventually I just sat down. Okay. And I just stopped. Okay. And I said, "Did you have a little pity party for yourself first for a bit?" Yeah, I wasn't in pain. Okay. I was just out of gas, and I was, I was like the lowest of depressed. I don't get depressed, but I do get depressed in these races sometimes. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I was at the lowest of the low, and I was sitting there, and I was laughing, and I took a picture of my like poles on the side, my legs, and I'm looking down this this mount like this road, just thinking, I can't believe this. I why am I here? Here's a helicopter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fly me out of here. Man, this is this is the worst place I could ever be. I hate it. And yet you you, you keep signing up for these things. Then I planted the poles and I pulled myself up. Yeah, and then I got out of it. And then there's this mountain climb. What's yeah. that mountain called? So I don't the the crazy climb is next to Delano. I don't know what it's called, but you're talking about the shale, like when it's like shale and you're like literally on rocks. Yeah, yes. yeah, it's yeah. Horrible, dude. There's a climb. You're going up this thing. It's not even on the trail. It's no, just, there's no trail. There's just a flag. You see a flag up there. And you're like, that's the top. There's 20 or 30 false summits to this thing. Yeah. I get up there. The wind is blowing. It's 40 miles an hour. And I look behind me, and there's like 40 or 50 lights just strung out in the distance in the blackness, right? Yeah. And and I'm pushing up this thing. It's just one step at a time. I feel like I'm climbing Mount Everest. And you're kind of sliding down as you do as you step yeah. up to it. It's, yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. I wasn't even crying. I was just like, this is insane. This is terrible. Get me out of here. I hate it. And I kept going up. And I knew all those people were going to pass me. Yeah. Did they? They all passed me. Well, you finished. I did. I did finish that one, but it was a disaster. Yeah. I'd like to do it again, though. It's so fun. Can I ask a Roadrunner question here? Absolutely. Okay. So you've obviously done some traditional marathons, a 26.2 mile distance after dabbling into the trail and ultra world. Did it change your perspective or experience when you hit a wall around mile 20, 22 during a marathon, did the mental game change after, you know, because I've, I've ran 16 marathons. I've never had a hallucination. I've had plenty of moments where I've like, I've broken down crying for various reasons during a marathon, but I've never had anything like that happen or feel like I may, I may perish during the race. <laughs> so can you walk us through the, the... Yeah, I mean, after you run a 100K or a 50 miler, and you're in a marathon, a road marathon, road marathon's really quick. Mm-hmm. And you just get to it, and you're just like, this is no big deal. It's only 26 miles or something. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, and a I, bit, it, it's a little bit more intense pain in the marathon, but it's a shorter light. Like, the light at the end of the tunnel is closer, right? Yeah, yeah, and I don't really, I don't really push it that hard in a marathon where I'm, like, in that type of pain. And I, I'm so, like, the, the great thing about the marathon is there are very few things that can go wrong. You, uh, you, you can either get weather or like maybe something hurts or, but for the most part, 
you know. Yeah, fewer they're, variables. There are fewer, fewer variables for the marathon, and you just get you can get through it really quickly. Mm. That's what it feels like. Like it's it's in and out. I'm done. I'm done with this thing. Yeah. And whenever I get to 23, I'm like, oh yeah, you know, there's only three miles to go. Yeah. You know, not 70. Yeah. yeah. Or something. A little perspective change there for you, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, we're gonna switch it up a little bit, Mr. Jesse Sweeney. If it was your last day on earth, what would you do? And who would you spend it with? You know, I listen to this podcast. I really studied this podcast okay. like a chess player. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm excited for this answer then. And everybody has said I would spend it with my family. Okay. And I would too, but I'm going to give a second answer. Okay, let's do it. I'm going to change it. I'm going to change the question slightly to it's the last day for everybody on Earth because there's an asteroid heading to the Earth. Wow, I love Earth. this, Jesse. Okay. Then what do I do? Okay. And the answer is... I launch all those nuclear weapons that we've been paying for. <laughs> because ultimate fireworks show. We paid for that. It's right. tr- how many how much money have all of not just us but like North Korea? How much money have they spent hacking yeah. bank accounts yeah. to pay for those nuclear weapons? So you want to see the light show like Brent said before it's all over. Or, do, or are, are we anyway. are we going to try and um, do like an Armageddon where we we st- we fire all these nukes at the asteroid uh, itself? Well, we could, but that's not going to work apparently because the asteroid's too big or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. The scientists already went through that and said, you know what? This we can't do work. it. Yeah, no, we might as well use these things. I love that answer. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the best. Like I don't want to. I don't want to use them so that we suffer for like twelve hours with radiation burns. But right. Like, do you want to time few, it perfectly? Like within a few minutes. Okay. Like we get to watch that, and then boom. The, and then it's over, anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Who cares? Okay. Yeah. That's a great answer. I love it. Yeah. Do you want to take a stab at this one? You didn't get the chance on season one. If it was your last day on Earth, Brent, what would you do? You know what I would do. I think I know what you would do. You guess, and I'll. I'll I think you it. would start your day with Chelsea with a little cup of coffee, oat milk. You take Jasper out on maybe, maybe you do a bandit run for a longer distance, get on the road with the, with the crew. And then you definitely do some Jasper miles on the trail, whether that's walking or, or, uh, maybe a bit of a jog. Um, I don't know what else you do for the rest of the day. You'd probably go to, you probably go downtown for, for a bite to eat, or you might eat at home. I, pro- I would probably order Domino's. You'd be a quite good frankly. Domino's guy, huh? Yeah, or, or NYPD. I would definitely have pizza, but okay. yeah, my, my the big focus would be I, I would just ha- I would try and organize the biggest group run of my life. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You know, where I would make it known like, hey, this is this is it for me. You know, show's <laughs> over. So this is the big one. You know, it's come the finale. Come, huh? come watch yeah. the series finale. <laughs> is this where I get vulnerable? Yeah. I don't want to lose you, Brent. This is how I this is how it I can listen, happen yeah. to any you know, I mean you, you you know you know more than anybody. I mean you know, we don't we don't know when when uh how close we are to the door. Yeah. Oh, Exactly. Segway, is this a good segue to a potentially <laughs> fatal situation? Uh, yeah, we can. Well, I, I mean, don't want to if we don't, you know, we we're, can. We're going to talk about so. we're going to talk about training, so we might as well. Do you want to yeah. should we hit the training jingle and then we'll get into it? Let's whatever you'd like. Yeah, here we go. Work a little and live a little too. Work life balance. All right, Sweeney. Let's talk a little bit about your job, a little bit further in. Then we're going to talk about training and then we want to talk about this this uh, your health scare that you've had, okay? Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about your practice. Okay. You practice in Michigan. You practice in Colorado. Was it your goal from the start to be a, a lawyer when you were a little young chap? No, I, I kind of felt I fell into all everything I do by accident. Um, I couldn't get a job after I graduated from Michigan State. Okay. Michigan State's great school. Okay. But I may have I may have partied a little bit too hard. Okay. And I really. 
I had a couple of connections, but no, I wasn't able to get the job. What was your degree, your undergraduate? International relations. Okay. Is, you know, good if you want to become maybe um, a clerk or like a, a bagger at a grocery store. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're very qualified, yeah? For that. Can you yeah. bag fast? Yeah, yeah, and I can, t- yeah, I can you talk. You stack to- eggs at the top, right? I mean, if I have to. Where are bananas going to go in the bag? They're going to go at the top. Thank you. You don't want to smush the bananas. Thank you, bro. But if they're unripe, you can put them anywhere. Yeah. They're and like you're bricks. bringing your own tote when you when you do your own grocery shopping, right? I, I Sometimes. I got to admit. You forget I, it sometimes? Sometimes I forget and I have to pay that extra money. You go paper or plastic? That's a trick. See, I'm going to I'm gonna defer to my lawyer. Can I answer that question? I usually, I'll say I go plastic and I use them. I reuse those bags. Okay, cool. Yeah, my, my client finds a way to repurpose whatever bag he is okay. using. Several times. Right. I do my own recycling. Yeah. Whether it's, whether it's picking up dog shit or, uh, right. or reusing those paper bags. Yeah. It won't matter when that asteroid oh hits. Really. It won't matter. Okay. So you graduate Michigan state, yeah. struggle, find a job kind of job. And so what, you say, okay, said, fuck it. Let's I, go to law school. I said, well, let's take the LSAT. I okay. studied for a couple days. Okay. Um, I took the LSAT. I got a decent score. It was enough to get into the Michigan State College of Law, like okay. Detroit College of Law that had just moved there. So I went there. Okay. My mom lived in Lansing. It was a good way for me to save it. I just went to law school there. Yeah. So when did you graduate law school? Uh, 1999. Yep. Wow. Right before Y2K, huh? Yeah, that's right. Remember when everyone was freaking out about the internet was going to break and shit? Yeah, that was... Those are crazy. The Y two K days. Yeah, and then yeah. we had, and then we had two thousand one, like nine eleven. I know, and then then shit really and changed. And then the great bro. blackout. Yeah, and then the pandemic. Yeah, it's been, it's been fun. Interesting. It's been a Tea party movement. I mean, <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot of stuff has happened. Yeah, Game um, of Thrones season seven. <laughs> that was the boo. Uh, yeah, I don't know, but I've heard it was awful. Not good. No, it was terrible. Yeah. Um. So you've been practicing law, and we, you know, we heard a little bit about the Colorado thing. Let's talk specifically as we kind of liaison into training here. How busy are you? You said your practice is kind of a little bit less clients now because the pandemic has kind of lagged in the bankruptcy world. How many hours a week are you logging? Is it very sporadic or is it relatively consistent? I'm probably 60 hours a week of working. Yeah, Maybe maybe 70. I I work until late at night. I fit my running in somewhere. Um, Basically, what I do is Chapter 13 bankruptcy. I get people caught up on their house payments when they're behind, their car payments, uh, if they have a lot of tax debt, or if they make too much money to file a traditional Chapter 7 bankruptcy. Okay. They'll do this. It's called reorganization, essentially. It's a 36 to 60 month plan. So I, I do those. It's not very interesting, but it allows me to do what I need to do. Yeah. It's kind it, of the means to an end. And it helps. I mean, uh, you know, we can paint we can paint it in a pretty way. I mean, you're helping people that are in a pretty tough spot, vulnerable I, spot. I am a suicide stopper. I've stopped many suicides. Wow. People said that they were going to kill themselves. They didn't know what was going to happen. And you helped uh, them. Give, you gave them a plan. Yeah, give them a plan. I allow, allow them to keep their homes. Let's yeah. go, Sweeney. Yeah. yeah, so that's is that fulfilling for you then? It is nice. Yeah, I yeah. love it. I love when people are crying and they thank me. I mean, sometimes at the beginning of the case they're crying and thanking me, and then later on they're like, you know, uh, boy, you know, we don't want to, um, we don't want to have to provide all these documents or something like that, or they they complain about something. The process of the case can be difficult. It's kind of like refinancing your homes. So, yeah, it's a lot yeah. of personal information too. You know, it's a yeah, lot. That's yeah. a lot of tight to the chest stuff. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it can be difficult. So people don't like to go through it in general. It's a stressful process, just like divorce. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Last question here on this, just because I'm curious. Yeah. Sometimes on Strava, you'll drop in that you're doing client calls while you're running. Yeah, a lot of times. I'll How be does running, that work? If I'm just doing a, you know, eight to ten minute pace run and I'm not, you know, pushing it, I will take calls. You go on the calls. like the earpod. Yeah, I just have the, I just have the earpods. Okay. And yeah. are you doing like a 
are you doing like new client or is like or is it like clients you know and you both and do you tell them you're on a run or do you yeah. just try to disguise it usually I, i'll tell them i'm on a run sometimes if i'm breathing hard i'll hit the mute button yeah so that's get what i was thinking breaths in i'm like are you, you know. are you muting I'll mute a little bit, but okay. usually I'll just say, hey, I'm out on a run. They'll say, oh, I can call you later. I go, no, you don't need to call me later. I can do two things at okay. once. And are they, I mean, this is probably impossible to answer because it's probably different, but are they doing the, the lion's share of the talking on these or are you are you chit-chatting on these? You're on know, chit-chatting too. I mean, just like you're on a run and you're talking to somebody. Okay. You're talented, talk, bro. I'm talking to my client or potential client. And, I need you to, know, sometimes I have I to, to stop. I need to figure out how to make sometimes. money while I'm running like that, dude. Yeah. This consulting stuff I'm doing is fun, but... I can kill two birds with one stone. You I'll can. do it. Yeah. I got to figure it out. Yeah, you might as well try that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's talk about your training. I think a good place to start, we've already touched on it. You've had some health scares in, yeah. the, in the past few years. And we'd like to, if you're feeling up to it and you want to, you know, put on the vulnerability pants. Let's do it. They're yellow. The yeah. vulnerability pants shorts. are yellow. They're short. You prefer the shorts? Sh- shorts? Shorts. Okay. Yeah, so let's talk about what you've been going through the past few years. Yeah, uh, last year, in the beginning of the year, I um, ran Black Canyon 100K down in Utah. I didn't do Black that. Canyon is or, in I'm sorry, Arizona. Arizona, Arizona, yeah. yeah. And then uh, after that, I went to Colorado, did a ton of training, and then I drove to Chicago. This was all within like a two or two and a half week period. Yeah. And at some point during that time, I, on my way back from Chicago, or when I was in Chicago actually, I had extreme calf pain. Like so sharp pain or dull, ex- kind of like achy? Sharp, swollen calf Ugh. situation, like really painful. Okay. So I came, I, I came back home. I was with my wife, and uh, it was a Sunday. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go get this checked for a clot. You just had, you just had just, kind of a premonition? Like, yeah, I was just yeah, like, like, this doesn't feel like a normal calf ball. I'm going to go get a check. Okay. So I went over to U of M. And there was no one there. It was great. I got first class service. Okay. And the radiologist, I don't want to get her fired, but she was like, oh, yeah. Well, not the radiologist, but the radi- radiology tech. Yes. She's like, oh, yeah, this is a clot. <laughs> you know, you're not supposed to tell you. Yeah, and right. She's like, you know, it's just a clot. Yeah. Like, oh, thank you for you know, telling me. <laughs> and, um, but they, but it's, it's interesting because the thing that may cause the clot, especially for endurance runners, and, and everybody listening to this podcast should know that you are at risk. If you're an endurance runner, you have a low resting heart rate, uh, you, um, sometimes sit around anywhere you're at risk of a clot if you don't drink enough water sometimes you get dehydrated during a run it can happen to you so uh yeah that that happened and um the 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 cause of it might be being a runner but the cure is also staying active okay so right after you know they said you know just walk until you can run and when you can run if you can do it pain-free just go ahead and do it so that's what i did i did some swimming i did some walking and i got right back into it well, then in November, I, it, I just checked my straw, but it was in November of last year, I took my daughter to a uh, hockey tournament out in Buffalo. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Buffalo, New York. It's about a six-hour drive. Definitely stopped every 45 minutes to an uh, hour and a half. Uh, stopped definitely for th- at the three-hour mark to get some food and stuff like that. Came back. But I had, I was supposed to have taken my, it's like a blood thinner, during that trip, and I just didn't. Uh, I didn't take it. I forgot to take it. I drank a lot of water. I was stretching my legs. Anyway, I came back, and within about 12 hours, I started feeling uh, a tightness in my chest and a little bit in my leg, but mostly in my chest. And when I would take, when I would inhale, I couldn't breathe all the way. And I really felt like, and it, and it kept getting worse throughout the day. I was like, this doesn't feel like a heart attack exactly. 
but I wonder if it's a pulmonary embolism. <laughs> so, and by the way, just so everybody knows, I'm a bit of a hypochondriac. Okay. So I always think the worst case. Okay. And 90% of the time I'm wrong. Like, oh, I think this is brain cancer. <laughs> yeah. I think I have MS and I also have Lou Gehrig's disease. <laughs> like, that's something that just, that happens like once a month. Okay. I'm I can not, relate. Yeah. Yeah. Some, some bad premonition. Yeah. Like, yeah okay. And usually I'm wrong. Yeah. I mean, I'm always wrong. But this time I, I walked into the hospital. I'm like, yeah, you know, I think I have a pulmonary embolism and I might die. And you guys will check me out. So I went there and this was like still COVID times. You know, there were yeah. a lot of people just hanging out in the halls. They had the COVID rooms. They were storing them in the storage room in the closet. You know, the broom closet, there was a guy with COVID. You right. know, anywhere they could stuff the, the COVID patients. And then I'm out in the hallway. And anyway, they got an image of me and they said, yeah, you've got, you know, pulmonary embolism here in your lungs. What is that again? Is that a blood clot in your lungs? Yeah. So basically the blood clot generally will start in your calf and it'll it'll break free and move its way up, travel up to your lungs. And the danger is that it creates a situation where your heart is trying to pump blood into your lungs to get oxygenated blood out. Right. And it can't get it in there. And And then the heart starts to just get kind of like more full of blood. Yeah. Full of blood and like the pressure increases. And then all of a sudden your heart will stop. That's the danger. Oh, so uh, that's what that's what happened. I, I didn't get to that point, but I was getting close to that point. Yeah, okay. And uh, they gave me, they said, look, you're on these blood thinners now probably for life. Take a few of these. And they just sent me home. And I went home with them, and I was on them. But for the next, like, 72 hours, I felt like somebody had stabbed me with a with an iron rod in my lungs. Like, oh. extremely painful. And there are people that have this and have it for three months. It's terrible. Oh. Yeah. Oh. But um, for it was... It was excruciating. I could not sleep in any position, so I had to generally sleep standing up for for a little while, okay. leaning over my uh, leaning over my dresser. Wow! With this pulmonary embolism scarring that was happening. Damn! Dude. It, it was crazy. Yeah. Uh, and then, but the same thing. I just I started walking, and then I started running again. And and the the uh, I I had a virtual meeting with my doctor. Okay. My hematologist. Okay. She's like, you know what? I know you've got the the marathon coming up. You go run that marathon. Really? See, I am. I saw you at the start line. Saw Brent out there. Okay. Yeah. So I she was supportive. A, she was supportive of the continuing to she, have activity. She said to me, "She's like, I don't know how this could get any worse than it is. It's already in your lungs. You know, it's not going to get. It's probably not getting any bigger. You've been active. Um, I had a blood test, and and my D, I think it's D dimer had gone down, which is kind of a clotting indicator in your okay. blood. Okay. So she's like, you know, just go out and have a good run. And uh, yeah, I think I ran three oh three or something. Wow, you looked yeah. incredible it out felt there. Good. Yeah, Sweet. I remember at the start line, you told me a little bit about it, and because I knew a little bit about the stuff you'd gone through, I understood the gravity of it. But it was funny. Maybe sixty seconds later, you saw someone from the Rocky Mountain group, and they asked you about it. And it, it was very clear to me that it just it didn't quite register that this was like I would have been scared if I, if I were you out there. Yeah, so is. kudos to you and, and kudos to your to your doctor for saying, well, I mean, you know, it's not, can't get any worse. You may, you may as well go and go and do it. Right. Um, but yes, yeah, that that's scary stuff. That's what I was going to ask you, Sweeney. Is like in the big picture, you're a lighthearted guy, but like when this shit was going on, was it freaking you out? Like you might not be able to do these like kind of be as physically active as you want to be that freak you out or like what were the in, like the inner worries there yeah you know i got my estate planning in order it was pretty much in order but i really got it in oh, order wow. i kind of like Fuck. talked to everybody and said hey you know i could die here there's a, a like a higher chance of death within a, a year of that 
Oh. I'm almost to that year point. Okay. And so I, you know, I, I told people this could happen. I told my kids and everything. I was like, hey, you know, this could happen. So you had to have some difficult conversations then. I'm yeah, I mean, that. I'm more of a matter of fact. But like when I look back, when I look back on my life, I just thought, you know, I've had a good life and I've done a lot of fun things. I've done a lot of the things that I wanted to do. Okay. There's some other things, you know, there's a few, everybody's got a bucket list. There's a few things I want to check off, but for the most part, I've had a good run. Yeah. No pun intended. Or pun intended. Or pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> we can, we can intend that pun. <laughs> so I was like, you know, if I happen to die tomorrow, eh, you know, I'm a happy guy. I, it's a, yeah. But you know, people around me are like, you can't die yet. All right. <laughs> we need to inherit our million dollars. <laughs> We still have work, work to do. I like still this, have work bro. to do, sir. I like your outlook, sweetie. Got twenty years of this to go. So uh, you know, I, I I don't know how many times you guys have ever been like running and you almost got hit by a car. Mm. Yeah. You guys have had brushes with death. Sure. The exist- like, the existential. Eh. Yeah. yeah. You're just like, eh, it happens. You know, yeah. there's stuff. You're it's you're more likely to die in a car accident, probably. So Yeah. It's true. Know. Anyway. But after that I was just like, you know, let's just keep on keep on moving. But I could definitely feel there was less lung. Okay. I still feel mm. that way when I'm trying to breathe. And then I got COVID. Classic. Sometime in February or something like that. That Jeez. was. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. After Boston. Oh, okay. In April. Yeah. yeah. So, what's the agenda now before we move on yeah. with the health stuff? Is that you're on the blood thinners and you just going to kind of monitor how you feel? That's kind of where things stand now? Yeah. I mean, I take precautions on an airplane. Um, when I'm driving, uh, in general, after a long run, like I, I want everybody to know this is something that can happen to you, especially if you're female. Okay. Um, you're at greater risk if you're female, if you're on birth control, if you're dehydrated, if you have a low resting heart rate, if you've had a really hard training segment, there are clots, micro clots, micro clots in right? your, in mm-hmm. your legs that can get worse. So you've just got to be careful. It's not a bad idea to wear those uh, stockings. Hmm. Uh, what are they? The compression stockings? Compression stockings. Yeah, Yeah, it's not a bad idea. I'd wear them on airplanes. So um, drink as much as you can. Make sure that you're keeping it clear. You know. There you go. I didn't see I didn't go to code brown on this. I went to code (laughs) code yellow. Code yellow or it should be code 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 clear. Code clear. Code white. Hint of yellow. Code transparent. But yeah, be aware that that calf pull might not be a calf pull. And uh, Sage Kennedy, by the way, has gone through this. He's a ultra guy, used to run with Hansons. Uh, he's been very public about it. Um, and he had some trouble at UTMB recently uh, because yeah. of the pain that he was experiencing. Um, and he thought it was like pneumonia for two or three weeks. He had this bilateral, which oh, both sides of his old lungs. Yeah, yeah. He had a lot worse than I did. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's, it can masquerade as something else. Get it checked just in case, because there's basically, it's basically 50, 50. You either find out about this because you lived or you're in heaven. You're yeah. like, Hey, how did I die? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. You, you had a, Pulmonary embolism and your heart stopped. Well, there you go. Wow. That's a P. That's a PRP PSA. There you go. Get yourself checked out, people. Yeah, hopefully I save a life here. You today. will. Sweeney, you're going to save it. a life. Um, okay, let's talk about you. I mentioned you're eccentric by nature, by kind of character, but you're also eccentric by the way that you train and run. So I'm curious to hear from the horse's mouth. When you're getting ready for all this stuff, do you have a plan? You're just kind of shooting from the hip. Well, I, I had a coach. His name is Bruce Segan, uh, Segan uh, excellent coach. Okay. I had him uh, from about 14 to maybe 16 or f- like in that range, like maybe 15. To, I don't know, a couple of years. Okay. And he taught me the basics. He, he coaches the way that he coaches is a little bit Hanson's, a little bit Dave Roche. Okay. So a lot of um, 
tempos mixed with intervals, mixed with fast stuff. Okay. So maybe starting out a couple of 2,000 meters or 3,000 meters, uh, and then a progression, maybe 600, 500, 400, 300, 200, 100, something like that. Okay. So I do a lot of that kind of stuff, and I try to mix that up. I have basically three things that I do in my training, whether it's for ultras or for road. It's probably better for road than ultras, but I basically do one day of like longer intervals, okay. one day of shorter intervals, and my long run, I try to progression. Yeah. So, and I try to run my goal marathon pace minus a five or 10 seconds in the end of my long run on tired legs. Yeah. That's basically it. And then the other days are easy. The other days are just cruising client yeah. calls. Yeah, that's pretty much it. And I just do marathon training for my ultras, which is why probably I, I'm not that great at the 100 distance, but... It's hard to it, train for the 100, bro. It, it is. But it carries... It, doing that will carry you to a 50 and a, and a 100K, and you can finish okay. You can finish pretty easy. Yeah, okay. And I'm not really fast. I'm a middle of the pack, you know, guy. I'm not... There's a lot of Jesse. What's your marathon PR? It's like two fifty two or something. Wow. Yeah. How many sub threes have you have you knocked out? I don't know. Maybe five, five or something. Nice. I don't know. Kind of consecutively. In the, oh, I did one when I first started running. It was like my third race. Uh, I was in Chicago. I ran a two fifty six. It was my third marathon ever. And then I did a couple of others when I was being coached by Bruce. Okay. What and, was your What was your first one? My first sub three? First marathon. My first marathon was Chicago. I think I ran a 322. It was terrible. I experienced a lot of pain. I, I tied my shoes too tight, and I was debating whether to loosen them a little. I should have stopped. Going. I kept going, and I kept, and then I was compensating for that leg, and uh, it was horrible. I, tr- I tripped a couple times at Chicago as well for the same reason. Yeah. I, did, I had an awful uh, marathon experience there, too. Shoes yeah. too tight there? Right, or just, um, just like, no, I think I think my I, I did a bad job of with with the laces and and I think I think maybe too tight and so yeah. I had a dangling lace that I tripped over and yeah. got trampled. Yeah, um, it was rough. Yeah, I'm talking yeah. Lion King situation. Yeah, like, yeah. like, like legit. Simba. Yeah. yeah, are you a sub three guy? Have you hit that couple, coveted couple sub times, three? Yeah, nice. by by a matter of seconds. Like a two fifty nine forty six is my is my PR. How'd that feel? <clears throat> Felt great. Yeah, my first one was. Um, at uh, Sugarloaf, which is a net downhill, okay. and that was a two fifty nine fifty seven. So I beat it by three seconds. How does that feel, dude? Uh, that was that was wild. That was that was a you know tears of joy kind okay. of thing. Great. And then I did it at Houston, which was that felt more legitimate because it was you know Not a, a traditional yeah. you know net net zero okay. course. Um, and that was and that was sort of a comeback, you know, one one for me. So I I yeah I I love the sub three uh, you know club and 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 all that. Is that kind of your mindset when you're going into marathons? Is it always goal sub three, or do you have marathons where you're more like, eh, I'm just kind of, I'm not L- here to lately. Cruise. Lately, I've been, I've been going a little bit, a little bit slower, and and so I mean, I, I just like having a realistic plan, not yeah. necessarily a goal. Okay. What, if I when I approach a race, where it's if I, if I if I can hit a, a goal or a PR, great, but, um, you know, you kind of have to look at the training and be realistic, and then yep. no one in the history of marathons I find ever says, oh man. I, I wish I would have started out a little bit faster. You can always make up for it in the second half. Yeah. Um, and you, and you kind of know, you kind of, I mean, at least that's, that's been my experience where if you're able to negative split, that's the best, that's the best race you can, you can run. You either got the juice in the second half or you don't. Right. Right. Accurate? Your body will tell you. Yeah. That's it'll, accurate. Say, it'll say you squeezed me. That's right. I've been squeezed. The juice yeah. is gone. Yeah. Um, okay. Jesse, let's talk a little bit then. I love this question. Favorite run. 2022 favorite favorite run yeah i know brant i'm kicking this to you too bro huh? 
Well, and people have forecasted a, a run they're looking forward to as well. So you can go retroactive here, or you can look ahead and go proactive. Well, just this in the past couple of weeks, I ran this uh, this route. It's called uh, High Lonesome, fifteen mile loop in the Indian Peaks Wilderness. It's really easy to get to. It's you know free. You don't have to get a pass or anything. You drive up uh, from Boulder to uh, Netherland. And you park at this place, and then it's just a 15-mile loop. It goes up, I think, to maybe 11, 5, 12-ish. And it's mostly runnable. Like, yeah, I mean, you, you get the altitudes, so you have to hike up, but it's it's gorgeous and beautiful. So that probably is my favorite run and favorite loop that I've ever that I've ever. And done. you'll go back to it because so it sounds like it. you discovered this year for the first time. Uh, it's the second time I've done it. Okay. Um, but it's just short and sweet. Yeah. You can get it done in a, in about. Three to four hours, and you get that dose of of high alpine too. You That'd get whatever you, you have everything in this thing. You can do a little road running near the end too. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's it's great, and then you're you know you get up and do it at five a.m. and you can get back to work at yeah. by nine normal day or ten o'clock and have yeah. a normal day. Yeah, I like that. Brent, what about you? So long run, maybe three or four weeks before Boston. I did not do Boston this year, but we had a group that was maybe ten to twelve runners. Um, all kind of we're super eclectic, you know, from, from different areas, from different clubs and three or four people were sort of, you know, putting in their last long run hard effort before Boston. Okay. And it was a Jonathan McBride route that we started in Dexter, did the new B2B segment and looped back around on Huron river drive. And we dropped some serious, serious, uh, strides and, you know, Jack Robinault and Alex Bryan and Jonathan McBride were, were throwing down. And I, I was, I felt probably the most fit, uh, that day yeah. and subsequently got injured from overtraining and then, you know, got the fitness back a little bit, but it was just, it was one of those first Good vibes day, first days of spring. We, we went and got donuts and coffee at, uh, Dexter bakery afterwards. Yeah. So that was, that was great. That yeah. was like, uh, and, and like, most of the people were meeting each other for the first time. Okay. It was just one of those, like say, super eclectic. So many things groups. going on. It was cool. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I like that. Uh, Jesse, what's in your ears when you train, bro? You mentioned your little music. You'll throw a little Swift on maybe, a little podcast. Yeah. What do you do? I, I've been listening to the pre-race podcast. Thanks, bro. Quite often. Have you been enjoying it? Yeah. I mean, if I'm doing, it depends what I'm doing. Um, but yeah, I, I do enjoy it. Okay. I love this show. I appreciate it. I man. love it. I'm having a lot of fun. You're a great interviewer. Thank you. And you've got a great radio presence. Thank you. Everybody listening, enjoy. He's got a great voice. He's a, we he's just like have, a radio voice. We just get in here and have fun, you know? Yeah. That's the whole He's point. just a great hang, period. Well, you're a good interviewer. And I'll wave. And if I, you let me in, I'll wave at you. I love it. <laughs> I love it. But you go, are you, let me ask you this, majority of the time you got headphones in when you're out there running, or are you kind of a 50-50 guy? You know, I, I'm probably, I used to not be headphones at all, okay. uh, but I do use them a lot because I need to take calls sometimes. Okay. If I'm listening, if I'm doing like a speed workout or something, I'm, I'm all EDM. Yeah, like I okay. Got, yeah. There's a show I listen to, uh, oh, now I can't think of the name of it. Uh, I'll, I'll, fi- I'll find it. Okay. But, um, yeah, I. It's like a it's like a show that comes out every week. Okay. And, um, by a guy named Mark Knight. Okay. And it's amazing. Is it so? Is this an, is it a podcast or is this music? Oh, it's music. Okay. Yeah, okay. it's electronic dance music. Okay, so it's basically like <laughs> it's a like set. house music. It's like a it's like a set that he puts out. Yeah, and I don't know the difference between all this stuff, and I probably like I I don't think I'd ever go to like a a rave or a, or a concert like this. I'd be the old guy at the club, right? But but like when I'm running really fast, it's it, your version of the rave. It's very yeah. It's like my personal rave. Like, 
This is this is great, man. It's 180 to 200 beats per yep. minute, and it's yep. just fire. Yep. And everybody's got something that that gets them going. But like, I'll listen to that when I'm doing a track workout or something like that. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Okay, Brent, what about you? I don't. You you're not really a music or headphones no, the, guy. The last time I tried that, I was I'm, I'm a big audiobook guy. Okay. Um, and I don't see very well, and it just you know works better for me. Okay. Anyway, the last time I was doing the long run solo, like last spring. Okay. Put headphones in, took off. Three miles in, I, I stashed my headphones and my phone in a bush nearby because it was it was just too distracting for me. Yeah. Even though I was super into the book I was listening to. You want to hear the ground and pound and the wind. I just yeah. I just I just have to kind of you know, um, I go to weird places, especially mentally during a long run. Yep. You know, I get real existential. Mm-hmm. Um, You're a big uh, social runner, though. I mean, like, I, I think if it's a perfect week for you, let's say this perfect situation. You're gonna run six times in a week. How many of those runs are gonna be with other people? Five. Yeah, that's what yeah. I thought. Usually it's five, and usually I I'll kind of select one day to run solo. Okay. Where I just I kind of need that, but yeah, I run with Jack Robinalt almost every morning during Jack, the week. Yeah, Jack's your weekday guy. Yeah. Then you got the Bandits on Sunday. Bandits on Sunday, and usually I'll just I'll I try and do one field trip a week. Okay. And I have I've been I've been so busy lately I haven't been able to, but I'll go to Detroit and run with Woodward Track Club or. I'll meet up with Mike Anderson in Brighton or just, you know, try and catch up with a friend. You'll go everywhere. I'll go everywhere. You'll yeah. do some next level stuff. You'll go with yeah. the fucking turtle burgers. You'll sure. Go, you'll sure. do it all. Sure. Yeah. Brent, Brent's a great guy. He's, he's, if you need a run and you need a buddy to run with, he'll do it. Yeah. I don't care where you're from. You come to Ann Arbor, get a hold of Brent. I'll get you lost. Yep. You know, because even though I've lived here for 10 years you now, get a little lost I will. Yeah. We ran an extra three miles. You were such a good sport about that. And yeah, I, fun. I picked that. I'm like, yeah, we'll, we'll meet at Webster church. Um, early. Mm-hmm. I think it was before seven and, uh, I missed a turn and you know, that's part of the we, fun though. Yeah, right? We figured it out. It was fun. Yeah. It was a great time. We ran there today, by the way. I loved it. Yeah. I yeah. Loved that run we did. Yeah. Nice. Uh, Sweeney, let's talk a little bit. Let's dive. Let's dive deeper. Let's peel the banana back even further. So you were a Michigan state guy, uh, for undergrad, but I want to talk about, I'm going to wind the tape back further. A little, little, uh, adolescent Sweeney. Okay. What were you, what's your activity background? Are you a sports kid? You know, I got into, I started out wrestling in ninth grade because all some, my friends were for wrestling. some reason I can picture you wrestling. I yeah. don't know why. Well, you, you should picture me getting pinned. <laughs> <laughs> Within the first thirty seconds, I, I think my wrestling record was like two and forty six. Yeah, something okay. Like so you were getting rocked in the in, in the ring a little yeah, bit. Yeah, one guy I beat because he just left. He left the. He just walked away from the mat, <laughs> and another guy I beat. I think he might have soiled himself. Okay, so he just kind of internally walked away from the mat. Maybe not. Something yeah. something wasn't happening, and that's how I won. But I'll take that win. Yeah, you got it. I brag about it's it. It's on the record. Yeah, man. it's permanent. And he started crying. It was, <laughs> it was awkward. I'm like, you know, you could just win. I'll just give you the win because I feel terrible about this. I don't want to. So, but my eventually my coach was like, you know, all I want you to do is not get pinned. Just like try to last. Try to, yeah. yeah. And I was pretty good at it for a while. And then I was just, you know, this is not my sport. It took me three years to figure that out okay. and all these losses. So you did that through a majority of high school then? Yeah. I mean, there were, there were situations where our team would be even, you know, cause you get, points for each person that wins and I'd be the one that caused our team to lose. And I'm like, no, thanks. I'm out of here. Yeah. I got thrown into varsity cause the guy got it. The guy ahead of me got injured. He broke something. And okay. I was at varsity, my second match. And I think somebody pinned me by putting their, le- their leg around my head. 
Do you know? And then doing a bridge. Yeah, you know like, what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know exactly what you're this talking about. This guy, like six foot seven, a ma- he was made of spaghetti, <laughs> and he wrapped his leg like around my like a snake. Yeah, like a snake <laughs> coiling around my neck, and did an arch. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm gonna die. I'm being paralyzed by this. Oh I my can't god! Move. So when did you transition to running then? Well, what happened was I got into cycling. Okay. And I did this thing called the Doll Mac with my friends. Okay. Which is the David Allen Lansing Mackinac. It's just like a Lansing to the Mackinac Straits. It's a you can make it a 400-mile bike ride in four days. Okay. But my friends and I would race it. We would try to go as fast as we could. Okay. And we used to hang out with this team called the, the Wolverines okay. from Detroit. We'd go as fast as we could, and it was fun. And then that was like my first foray into endurance stuff. And then in college, I quit all of that, and I basically did things. I, I was studied also, but I probably partied a little too yeah. hard. Yeah, okay. Just in case my kids are listening to this. I didn't drink as much milk as I should have. Yeah, okay. Yes. And then when I got into law school, I started jogging. Okay. And then I guess... Just, just as a way to stay healthy, kind of? Yeah. And then in 2001, this guy, a buddy of mine from um, high school, he said, hey, you should do this. What's that race in Chicago? The the Shamrock Shuffle? Is that what it's called? Is it on St. Paddy's Day? It is. I think it's like a 8K or something. Okay. That's so I said, come out and do this. And I did it. And I trained for it. And I was like, oh, my God, I ran a 43. I could be an Olympian. Yeah. So you a 43. Pl- and it's not fast, by the way. It was really slow. And I was like, I could, I could be in the Olympics. So you got inspired a little bit. I should be a, a pro. Bit. Yeah, okay. I was like a 2,000th place. I'm like, I should go pro on this. You should pay me. You're looking so, for a sponsor? So then I started training. I lived in Royal Oak, and I started training with the Hansons guys. Okay. And by that, I mean... I would run with them for the first mile and get dropped. Dropped, yep. And then try to follow their tracks. Yeah, because they do this eight-mile loop in, in Royal Oak. Okay. And uh, at the time, I was there was Brian Sell, if you know this guy. He was there, and um, there's a couple. Clint Varen. Clint Varen, yeah. He was, in, he was involved at the time. And I would run with these guys. I was like, yeah, I'm fast. And then i just get spit out the back. And that was basically my training plan. And then you just, and, and now then I just, are. I've been running probably now, what is it, 20 years or so? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that was since uh, 2001, roughly. Okay. Yeah. So pretty much right after you graduated from, yeah. pr- a pretty quick transition, right? You kind of got out of college and then started yeah, getting and, a little more serious. And I said, I'm going to try a marathon. And then I said, I'm going to try to qualify for Boston. And when I qualified for Boston and I ran a sub three, my third marathon, okay. it was in 2004. Okay. And I said to myself, I can do anything. Nice. Running has inspired me to do anything. So I quit my job and I started a business with like $200. My, my wife was luckily working at the time. So she, we little, had health little security, but yeah, security, okay. uh, but she was uh, pregnant with my first daughter. Okay. And she's like, you're crazy. Yeah, Why are you doing this? Yeah, of course. And, uh, but it became a success and uh, it was because of running because of qualified for Boston and doing what I thought was impossible that I was able to give you that momentum in your personal yeah. life. I fucking love that, dude. I'm all about that. And I, want, a, I want more people to do that. Yeah, say, you got hey, it. I achieved this goal in running. Let me see if I can do that also in the business world. Yeah. I set my mind to something and got something figured out. Yeah. Is this him? Yeah. Is this Sweeney? That's, that's, uh, that's Jesse Sweeney. Oh, my God, bro. Yeah. 2011 shot Brent pulls out. Boy, oh, boy. Look at that hair. Yeah, I've got the aviators or something going on. Those are like not even aviators. Those are like 90s. Like These are like Nick Lachey 98 degrees glasses, my guy. I think that's the uh, Northville summer solstice, if I'm correct. I probably still I've ran that race. You're looking yeah. like a beauty, dude. This is an amazing picture. Great research find, Brent. Yeah. The, the Sweeney Facebook, um, just, just scrolling through the profile pics. Pro- prolific okay. race photo. We're going to get some deep prolific pics on race the gram. Photos. We got to yeah. get some old school pics of you on the gram. They're definitely, those are some very short shorts. I like those though. Questionable fashion. Um, 
These are perfect segue to this next part where we start kind of winding the uh, seriousness uh, dial here. Jesse, tell us what inspires you to run. We kind of learned that running gave you momentum in your personal life, but what inspires you to keep doing this stuff? Well, you know, running has been, um, so I have a very, very stressful life. Uh, I have to manage a family. I have to manage a business in two states. I've got employees, um, especially right now. We're going through some difficult and challenging times as a business. Um, and then the health issues that I've had, I've, I've just, I have a lot. And I always want in my life everything to be perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, if my running is not perfect, if I'm not hitting the times I'm hitting, I'm focused on that. If my business, something's going wrong with my business, I'm focused on that. If something's wrong, like one of my kids is having some difficulties or something like that, that's in my brain. And there's this chatter going on in my brain all the time with everything that's happening in my life. And running is just the rock. It's just the the thing in my life that has been steady and keeps me grounded and keeps me from uh, having a mental break. It's It's my form of therapy. Okay. I, I have dealt with anxiety and depression in my life, and, and running is really uh, an anchor that keeps me uh, from going out into the rough seas, I, yeah. I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So running is maybe both your anchor and your lighthouse. It has, it has certainly helped inspire me to do things like uh, start my own business um, and, uh, and achieve great results with that, for sure. Um, but yeah, it, it has also been a comfort for me in, in hard times. Yeah, yeah. I feel that. Brent, what inspires you to run, dude? Similar to Jesse, I think. I mean, I, 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 the, the vibe I get from you, I, th- I think our backgrounds are a little bit similar where, you know, we, we weren't runners in in high school or um, or college, or maybe we just were like, you know, kind of hobby joggers and then got into it and really dove deep as adults and started at it with, with, with a pretty, with pretty modest goals and then got quicker and, and became pretty decent amateur runners. So similarly, you know, it's like uh, when I'm hitting my targets, just usually usually it's even just if I'm hitting my weekly volume and then getting the times that I want in races, it does give me the confidence that I need mm-hmm. to go and, and do everything else. Yeah. Where it's like, all right, that allows me to, to be a better partner at home, to be a higher performer at work, or to have the, have the balls like Jesse – to make career changes and yeah. you know, I've, 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 I've taken the most risks that have been positive when I've been hitting my stride, so to speak as a runner. Yeah. So I, I need it. Um, the, the toughest times I've had mentally and where I've struggled with some anxiety or some confidence issues have been when I haven't been able to run, whether it's because of injury or illness or whatever. Yeah. So I, I, I need it too. Yeah. It's crazy, huh? I think the great thing about this podcast and the great thing about Brent um, and is that we are amateur runners. We are, in a sense, hobby joggers. Yeah. But our story and the story of Brent and many runners, like millions of runners like him, is the story of coming from uh, more humble beginnings as a runner and then achieving your goals. Yes. I, now, Hobbs Kessler is a great runner. He's a sub four guy, right? Yep. But what do we have to learn from a runner like Hobbs Kessler? We, we can't that you're born fast. It's right? hard to relate to. You can't that. really you can't really learn much from something from someone like that, right? Yeah. Great guy, awesome guy. Love his Instagram, um, but he was born with it to a certain extent. People like Brent and I probably were not born with it, and we really had to work to achieve what we wanted to. Mm-hmm. And I think when you do that, when you put in that hard work, you can be a great coach, and you can also um, pull from that 
something that you can apply to other areas of your life when you uh, are involved in challenges or you want to succeed in another area of your life. That was stoic as fuck, Jesse. Trying to drop some knowledge. I'm fucking dropping knowledge here. Wow. Great answers, gentlemen. You got me. You got the PRP just on fire right now. I'm so pumped. Um, I'm not going to even reflect on that. Let's just move on to the next section. You ready for it? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. And now it's time to talk about Strava. 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 Oh, I really like Strava. Thanks, Jake. So do I. Strava. <laughs> Sweeney, you a Strava guy? You I are. I love Strava. That's how I found you, bro. I love it. It brings people together. You got the segments and stuff. My, there's a couple of problems with Strava. One of them is as you get older, as an older runner, like you get to see the, the, the train crash of your life, of your, of your age, <sighs> mm-hmm, affects mm-hmm. your ability to run fast. Yep. And you can look at your heart rate and say, oh, wow, you know, I, my heart rate is like, I'm almost, it's 190 beats per minute running eight minute pace. Whereas that used to be the case for that for like six minutes. So you get to kind of watch the slow motion decline. Yep. That's one problem with Strava. But I still love it. It's yeah. a great, it's a great thing. I think Strava also has a negative influence on training. Okay. For some people, because some people I feel like, and I'm not pointing any fingers here, um, but not, and, and not necessarily for anybody, but even me sometimes, they don't want to show a slow run on Strava. Right. Because yeah. everybody can see that. So it's like, you know, should I run a nine minute pace? Everyone's going to think, what's wrong with this guy? You know? Mm-hmm. So I feel like a lot of runners have this pressure to run seven minutes. You know, which if their marathon pace is six minutes, they should be running slower for their slow runs. Yeah. And, and there is that pressure. Yeah. So the ego that comes along with it. Yeah. yeah but but uh, overall, I, I love it. And, and uh, I wish more people were on it. Yeah. Same here. Yeah. Brent, update on you. You're pro Strava all the way. You think it's a tremendous platform. Any changes in your mood or feelings? No, I, I'm, I'm very pro Strava. It, it was funny. This morning, we had a small group, like four or five of us out. And, uh, we passed a guy twice who was kind of, you know, he, he was, it was like a flyby chat. And, uh, he asked us when we were passing the, the second time, he goes, is this, is this like a, a running group or club? And, you know, just quickly I said, eh, just some friends getting together. And I yelled, I go, are you on Strava? And he was, he was probably in his fifties, yes. but he was moving. He said, no, because oh, in my head, I'm thinking, I want to follow this. I want to like, you know, find him on a flyby, yep. follow him and then inv- invite him to come out for for a run. That's so, the best, isn't it? You know, it's a it's a great tool for for that, I think. So yeah. I'm 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 very, very pro Strava still. Yeah, so me there's too. There's probably a security risk for people if if they make it too public and you know, you see somebody on a run and then you, you add them as a friend or something, they don't want to be added as your friend. You know, yeah, there's but, that kind of situation. Um but but I loved it during the pandemic. I mean yeah. the pandemic was terrible, horrible. Um, for many reasons, but but Strava was was great because you could go and do your own little personal race. And I feel like Bandit, the Bandit running company, so if that's what sure. it's called, or Bandit Runners, has been kind of the Strava. It, it's kind of like a meta Strava situation where where we're doing some of these segments at race pace. For example, the Barton Hills. Oh yeah, is yeah. like it's like, yeah. str- like a Strava. It's like the manifestation of Strava in real life. Huh? Yeah, like like Strava used to be something that you would do that was not a race, but now we're racing a Strava segment as a group. And I thought that was just brilliant. And, and I love it. Yeah. I love that. idea. Well, we, yeah, we, we got that idea from Nick at, and our running company. If you remember in the early, early months of, of the pandemic, I think the first challenge that he created, which the guy's a genius um, and, and great at pe- bringing people together. He did the, um, the sunset conquer sunset is what it was yep. to where that was a segment that he 
it either existed before that he created that it was it was one mile starting at the bottom of that Sunset Hill in, in Water Hill and then finished by um, almost almost to Newport, but it was exactly a mile. And you had a you had a forty eight hour window to do it in. To do it. Mm-hmm. And then there was, you know, prizes and stuff. But there were over like two hundred and some runners who went and, and did it. And it was to me it was so cool because you know you hadn't seen a lot of these people. Then if you when you went out to do it in real you know in real life you're you're crossing paths and then you're seeing like oh you know Ian Hank Ian Hank has it then Zach Cornelius has it then I think Matt Melvin you know took it at the end but um, I just thought that was that was really cool and he did a couple more like the Arb and I think Broadway too yeah so. he did conquer the Arb too yeah. yeah it's just a great tool to bring people together yeah. it's really what it is at its it, core it does make you feel bad if you ever go to a running mecca like maybe Salt Lake or or, uh, yeah. or Flagstaff or Boulder, for example, and you do a, a segment as hard as you can do it. Oh, and then you find and you're not even close. You're five thousand. Yeah, you're not even close. Or I don't understand the people that run in mountains fast. I've never, no, I never get it. It's a, it should be a crime. Yeah, it should be. Come on, Walsh. <laughs> it should be prosecuted. He's the biggest offender, dude. Him and Killian. I love seeing segments that, you know, I wondered once how many times have I gone through Barton Hills. And then you go on Strava and you can, you can see you can track that, huh? where I think, I think I've, I've ran, you know, both ways on Barton at least 150 times. That's amazing. And that's a fun uh, metric to have. And to Jesse's point too, I mean, you, it makes you feel really old and slow when you see efforts and you remember those runs from 2015 or 2016, like that was, it was, it felt so easy going up country club and I'm now eight, 10 seconds off my, my PR for that yep. individual segment. It's like, man. We're getting older. I gotta get. I gotta go back to the lab. Yep. You know, figure things out. <laughs> Strava does have the age grade thing. Yeah, you can scroll down. You're like, oh yeah, I'm still in the top ten among, you know, ninety year olds. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I still got this. I the geriatrics. I yeah. love it. I love it. Okay, next section. We're getting vulnerable. Are you ready, Brent? Sure. Sweeney, are you I, ready, I, bro? I already got a little vulnerable, but I'll get more. Let's let's turn it up. Okay, here see, we go. I want to see some waterworks. Now it's time to get Oof. vulnerable. So vulnerable. We're getting Wasatch vulnerable. Man. Gets you in the mood, doesn't it? I'm in the mood right now. (laughs) What kind of mood? (laughs) Vulnerable mood. But but I was it was a little Isaac Hayes with that. A little bit Marvin Gaye on that. Jesse, tell us what is your goal with the Wasatch one hundred? My goal is to make it past mile sixty. Okay. That's it. If I do that, I've achieved something. I'm I have very modest goals for this. Okay. Like you're you just know, trying to have fun, just trying to have fun. Yeah. I don't want it to really hurt. There's people that like, you know, the puke and rally f- crowd. Yeah. I, if you guys have heard of Marianne Hogan, I think she got second or third. She's from Canada. Yep. She was interviewed after UTMB and she was talking about how something happened with her hip and she felt like she was being stabbed in her hip every step she took. And I think she still had 30 miles to go. And that, I don't want to do that. That's not your cup of tea. No. she had to walk a bunch of, you know, parts of it on the flats and she was just in extreme pain. And she just said, you know, it's just one of those things. And I just know pain is temporary. And I was like, yeah, no, pain hurts. Yeah. So you're just trying to have fun and, and cruise it. I don't want to vomit. Yeah. I usually stay, that's kind of like my metric is I stay below the vomit. vomit I stay line. below the, the nausea. If I feel nauseated running uphill, You'll I'm going to walk. Yeah, sure. Yeah. If I still feel nauseated, I'll slow down even further. Okay. I just don't want to deal with that. So, you, so stay below the vomit line. But you know, kind of like that though. In shorter stuff, I will burn it. I'll go as hard as I can. But in a, in a hundred, I just want to see if I can figure. You got to play the out. long game in the hundred. Yeah, it's tough, okay. especially this course. Yeah, this course. The more is... I look at it, the more I regret. This is going to be beautiful, but it's going to be 
This is going to be a rock and a half, dude. It's going to be hard. Uh, has your goal changed since you first signed up for this? Or is yeah. this kind of the way you always roll into these? My goal would be at the first, at the beginning was like, yeah, I want to try to get like top 20 or 30. Okay. And now I'm just like, I'm going to, I just want to not be DFL. Like okay. I just want to maybe squeeze in 35 hours. Yeah. Right there. That's I'm good. not a good, I'm not a good runner at, at these hundreds. I, you know, I can do okay in a marathon or whatever. But Haven't figured these hundreds out yet. They're hard. Yeah. There's this so could be, much. this could be the one though. You know, it's like, uh, I'm, I'm sure that it sounds like those first couple marathons you did, or maybe it. You didn't quite know how to run it, and then if you if you shift the mindset from road runner to expert trail runner, and you're and maybe maybe it's just like I'm I'm just going to take this first half as easy as I can, and then you know keep the powder dry so to speak. I I think the issue is you know when you think about running you say okay all I have to do is put my shoes on and walk out the door right, but when it comes to an ultra, there's so many factors. It's a logistical nightmare with the gels, with the poles, with the shoes, with the blisters, like all these things can happen over that period of a day and a half. And I like to sleep. I like to go to sleep. I like to nap. Okay. You really can't do that without losing yeah. and getting kicked out of the yeah. race. You know? Depends on how fast you're going too. a 36 hour cutoff on these hundreds with all that climbing. You don't really have a lot of time to sleep, dude. I think something like 40% drop out of this race. Typically. Yeah. Wow. It's, a, it's a tough finisher. It's a tough finisher percentage, dude. It, yeah. Um, Jesse, what are you most worried about with this race? You worry about the health stuff? You worry about just hurting or do you worry about much? You know, I have my, uh, I'll, I'll be taking my pills, you know, during the race, you know, I'll have them with me. I'm not really worried about that. Okay. Um, I'm just worried about not finishing okay. the race. You worried about a DNF? I really, yeah, I just really want to finish this thing. Okay. And I don't want to feel like garbage for 30 miles like I did at the Bear. Right. <laughs> it was awful. I felt bad for my pacer. My pacer was like, he's a runner and he wanted to run. And I pay, I had paced him. His name is Steve Taylor. Lives in Colorado Springs. Really good guy. And I had paced him at uh, Cloud Splitter last year in the fall. Uh, and he had come out to pace me at the Bear before that. And, you know, I wanted to run with him. And yeah, make, have a jog with him, yeah, right? Yeah. But we really couldn't do that. You were hurting. I just, I didn't even, it was a disaster. It was huge embarrassing yeah i feel you on that you know i've had some efforts out there in the mountains where i'm so far out of it that i'm not even enjoying this beautiful area that i'm in that's always my goal to not get to that point right that's the thing about the hundred is that you definitely say oh yeah you turn something i love into something i hate yep yeah you push that line you walk that line don't you but the next day i'm like oh i love this that was fucking amazing yeah (laughs) let's sign up let's get an ultra sign up that's right cruise around all right jesse i'm real excited to talk to you about this Tell, tell me, let's, let's dive a little bit into what's next. And this is a double-tiered question. Maybe what's next in the next, for the rest of 2022. Maybe thoughts on 2023. But then I also want you to give me a little bit of a vision into the future of Sweeney and the endurance space. So let's go short-term, what's next, and then big picture. Uh, short-term, I'm just probably going to be doing, I'd like to do some more races locally, especially if I'm uh, broke. Yep. Because <laughs> I can't fly. <laughs> I can't do this flying out to Colorado stuff. I mean, um, as much if, if I'm trying to build this thing back up again. So, but I'll be, I've done all my ultras like out West uh, because I love the scenery and I haven't really raced locally like Mohican or I haven't raced uh, Vermont or uh, 
lot of, a lot of good ones in Pennsylvania. There's so. a lot of good stuff. Yeah, I don't yeah. think I do Eastern states because I hear it's techie, but uh, I, I would like to do some more single track, just fun stuff around here and just try to burn it and run as fast as I can around here. Okay. Um, I'd like to do, I don't know, i just like to keep on running. Later in the future, I'd like to be a coach at some point when yeah. I kind of as my retirement plan, I'd like to coach. Um, I've done some coaching for free for people and I've gotten people qualified for Boston uh, here and there. Is so, that fun for you? It's fun. The, the difficulty with being a coach is that you're sometimes you tell people to do something and then they don't do it. They run their slow days really fast or they run too fast for their segments. They just get, you know, running is a patience game. And sometimes people get impatient and they go a little too fast. How do you deal with that? You just let I them just do it and coaching. figure it out? I just say, I'm fucking not coaching anymore. <laughs> you don't want to listen to me? Get another coach. Yeah, okay. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. yeah, I told you what to do. I'm trying to help you here. He's been pretty f- tame until, until I just tell you. What you doing? I love that. Yeah. What are you doing? I love that. Follow my directions. That's why you do this. I'm, I'm not getting paid for this. I'm yeah. doing this for, for free. I mean, it's frustrating. Listen to me. Yeah, that's right. Um, Brett, what about you? What's next for you? Ooh, racing or uh, I've got Indianapolis full. Okay. Which up until today I thought maybe I was going to drop down to the half, but uh, today felt good. You said today felt great. Yeah. yeah, today felt great. So I have that coming up, and and then it's it's really just just getting as many miles as miles in between now between and the, now and then. Okay. What about big picture for you? Mm. You're going to keep building the bandit brand, of course. Yeah. You know, I mean, so long as there's a a, a need for it, um, and really just trying to influence the running culture in a positive way, where yeah. if we can make things make races more sustainable and, and less about the, and, and the it, commercial side and, and inclusive and inclusive. You know, it's um, my, my big thing is especially on these weekly group runs, making sure that people of all paces and backgrounds feel comfortable coming in. And, and same thing with, with the races. These aren't just races for people that are, that are fast. Um, it's a lot of fun for just, we, yeah, we, we celebrate people that uh, whether it's their first race or hundredth race and whether they're running, um, world record pace or, you know, coming in at a pretty soft, you know, pace. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, that's, to me, that's what it's about. Well, so far so good, bro. Yeah. You started off on the right foot. I also like, I don't think you've coined this term, but you say it a lot and I love it. I love the term hobby jogger. Well, let's run. I feel like it <clears throat> rhymes, but it doesn't, but I just like to say it. I like to say it. It. Hobby jogger, yeah, yeah. That's the let's run phrase. Yep, it's a they, good one. They, they, which anybody, I don't like those guys generally, but yeah. well, who <laughs> knows? Who knows what they're running? But it's like very anonymous. It's a message board, and and you know if you're running slower than 15 for the 5k, you're basically a hobby jogger. Right? In their eyes, yeah, yeah. In yeah. my eyes too, me, <laughs> me. I admit it. Um, Jesse, last vulnerable question here. So buckle up. Buckling. Advice for someone wanting to start running or just getting into running. What would it be, and why? You know, it's hard for the first three months. It's probably the hardest thing, and you're going to hate it. But then you will become an addict, and you will seek it out in every corner, every alley. Yeah. Really... You'll do some really bad things that you never thought you would do just so that you could run. You're going to spend an awful lot of money, and you're going to waste a lot of time at it. <laughs> yep, yep. And then you're going to be crying when you can't do it. Yeah, you're going to be true. curled up in a ball. So get ready. Get started. Let's do it. I think beware uh, is a good piece of advice. My client speaks the truth. Yeah. What yeah. about you, Brent? Advice? Ooh, um, I w- I would say pace yourself. You know, I've I've I, I come across a lot of folks that are incredibly enthusiastic and really have that fire in the belly, especially when as they're being introduced to this awesome world. Yeah. And you know, Jesse, I think has has been through a couple injuries. I'm more injury prone because sometimes I just lack the discipline. But it's better to run five to 10 miles less per week 
when you, especially when you're getting going mm-hmm. versus running five to 10 miles too many and then risk, you know, getting injured. And the other piece is, is too, as someone who has gotten a little bit faster over the years and then got a little bit slower too, there's always going to be someone faster than you. There's always going to be someone slower. So there's no judgment. You shouldn't be intimidated by the faster folks, but you can't cast any judgment on the folks that are slower than you either. Yeah. Wow. We're getting profound in here today. I love it. Me too, dude. Holy it. shit. All right. Transitioning. Let's go ahead and talk about the plan for Wasatch 100. Why not? What's the plan for the big race weekend? What's the plan? What's the plan? Sweeney, what's the plan, bro? You go. What's going? the plan? It's a good one. That's my favorite one. I do play it a lot. Let's. I'll hit it again. What's the plan for the big race weekend? What's the plan? What's, what's the plan? plan? <laughs> oh my god. Okay, are you going solo dolo on these? I feel like sometimes I'm you not, just you're just like a lone wolf out there, dude. I'm gonna lone wolf it. I'm not getting a pacer. I listened to one of your podcasts. You had a guy on who was like doing two hundreds and stuff. Yeah, Mina. that guy from New York. Yeah, Mina. Wow. Dude. He did Cocodona without any support. Eating pancakes and bacon or something. Yeah. Um, Pancakes, ginger, and uh, fuck, what was and uh, scrambled eggs? I'd be projectile vomiting. <laughs> I'd be like the Exorcist, shooting vomit <laughs> everywhere if I if I ate like that. I'm oh, eating gels. Shit. And, oh my gels god! And like so, you, tail, tail so you don't have anyone coming to help you for Wasatch? No, I just you know I feel bad. Okay. I feel bad. I it's dis- a big commitment, man. I disappoint a lot of people in general. I don't want to disappoint more, more people, especially yeah. my my pacer, my crew are waiting like sixteen hours for yeah. me to show up at right. the at mile ten. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Stay home, and airfare is nine hundred dollars. Like it's oof, expensive right now. The inflation yeah. with airfare is just terrible. Airfare is killing it's me right now too. Yeah, so like you know, just stay home, and you can send me a nice text. Okay, or something, some text support maybe. Yeah. You do. Uh, let me ask you this: If you're solo doing these. This is a mountain effort, but you probably will, based on your proximity to Salt Lake Valley, you probably will pop in and out of service here. Yeah. Will you be on like a group text with some tight knit people sending updates or will you just kind of keep your head down and then update afterwards? Well, I'm going to use the phone. Like I listen to a lot of Grateful Dead and stuff out there. Nice. And I listen to some indie. I'll have my music going, so I will be on airplane mode for most of the time. Just to save your battery? If I run into trouble. I might, I might do a lifeline. Yeah, fire I have it to up. call somebody. Just for some inspiration? Yeah. Well, you can call Brent and I. I might call you. Guys. Okay. We'll give it. You do can it, call me middle of the night, call. bro. Yeah. yeah. We'll FaceTime. Yeah. I, I Sometimes I like to get a spam call in from a robot. Sure. And have a convo <laughs> with it? Just have a little convo. Yeah. yeah. Just someone there to keep you they, company. They actually kind of interact with you. <laughs> a little AI? A little yeah, a little bit. <laughs> That's nice. Uh, dude, I don't know. I, my, my only plan right now, I'm just like... I'm trying to figure out where to put the drop bags. The first aid station 16 miles in. Yep. So I have to carry all these gels up a hill. Yep. Oh, my God. And then, like, you know, just putting stuff, trying to figure out which things to put where. Batteries. I got to get all the batteries together. Yeah. Do you, just, you, do you ever pull out, will you bring a, batteries for the light and shit, will you bring, like, a small portable charger to give your phone more juice if you run into a danger, or you just... My, my phone is going to last. Okay. Yeah, I, I've had it last a long time on, on airplane. Um, and I'll just keep the dimmer on. Um, but I generally, uh, this is, I, I really like waste lights. Yeah, okay. They illuminate the trail. They show you where the rocks are. I didn't have that, the bear. And okay. I was always on the brakes like, oh, my God, there's a rock. Oh, there's a rock. You know, constantly. I, I also get headache from the headlamp. I yeah. use both. Okay, you go both. I, I will use both. Okay. But, but the waste lamp is essential at night okay. to avoid stubbing your toe. Okay. Because that's not fun. No. No. Especially on a rock. It's horrible. Ugh. So, yeah, I'll do that. Um 
I, I'm really going to try to take it easy. Sometimes I will be at like mile 35 of one of these things, and I got one of those nice like downhills for like five miles. You know, something at the Pado, like Pado style. Yep. They mm-hmm. have those out, out cruisers. west sometimes. Yep. Cruisers. Yep. And I'll have a song on like Boston more than a few. Like this is some dad rock stuff <laughs> mm-hmm. for your younger listeners before mm-hmm. you were born. But like I'll have that playing. It was like more than a feeling. I'm like, oh more my god, oh my god, let's go. <laughs> this is my juice, baby. And yeah. I just start flying down that thing, passing people. I will even yell out. Yeah, you give I'll a be like, hoot, trail hoot. I'll do that. If somebody called me a woo girl. Okay. Sometimes I'll do the woo. <laughs> woo. No, 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 no. What do you do? I'll be like, woo. Oh, the deep woo. Yeah, the deep woo. And someone okay. will be like, oh, you're a woo girl. Okay. And I'm like, I'm just wooing, man. Sure. Sounds more <laughs> like a Rick, a Rick Flair woo. <laughs> The beginning of these races, I'm in a great mood. I'm wooing. Yep. I'm flying. And then it takes your soul. And then, like, five minutes later, I'm like, oh, my God. I totally fucked this up. Yeah. I just want to die. I sorted my heart rate to 175. Screwed it up yep. over this stupid song, Boston. <laughs> Fucking Boston, dude. Over Gr- Pink Floyd. <laughs> what, uh, what day are you flying out? I fly out on Wednesday. Wednesday morning or afternoon? Wednesday morning. Okay. I do have a plan, which is to go to a street, a street taco. Uh, What's it? Like, where? Like a, uh, anywhere, anywhere I can find street tacos. Like, oh, I'll a, tell like you a, one of those trucks. Uh, you should go to the Red Iguana. I will go to the Red Iguana. Okay. I'll, do, I'll do that. Okay. I did that before this race last year. I did this race called Cachina Mosa out there. It's okay. another 100K in Utah. Highly recommended. Make sure you have it on your watch because it's not well marked. I almost got lost. But anyway, I'm going to eat. I'm going to eat some really some red meat tacos. Yeah, you're going in. I'm going I, in I heard the move. Jesse is a carnitas burrito. I. <laughs> I have heard that too. Ooh. I'm gonna I'm gonna avoid that, <laughs> but I but I am gonna have the red meat. Like I'm not yeah. a big meat guy, and I love the vegan movement. And I'm sorry, vegetarian people. I apologize, but this stuff helps me. I feel like yeah, I'm plant forward too, but I can't. I feel like if you're gonna, I'm plant forward, but I gotta get some red meat in there sometimes, bro. If you're gonna if you're gonna eat the red meat, you have to like talk to the animal. Yeah, and be like. I'm going to use your power and strength to, t- to take onto the trail. power and strength. Yeah, there you go. So will you go to, are you looking for tacos night before? Is that your pre-race Probably meal? the day before. Okay. For so lunch. Wednesday. Ta- day before. So lunch will be tacos. What will you look out for a dinner? I'll be carb loading like 80%. I'll be doing pasta probably both nights in a row. Yeah. I don't do that for a marathon because I feel real heavy. Right. And it just. Well, you'll get it in for the ultra? I'll get it in for the ultra because I'm going to need it all. Okay. I'm going to need every bit of it. Okay, then you know we're going morning nutrition. What do we got going in the morning, brother? You know, in the morning, I might just have a banana or something light. Yeah. We start out at 5, and then I'm just going to use my my gels. I Mm -hmm. I feel like I will have enough glycogen from the night before. To be rocking. To be rocking. So a little nanner beforehand? I'll probably have, yeah, I'll probably have a banana, Mm -hmm. which is the, you know, the theme of this podcast. Absolutely. Before I go up. What's your ripeness level on a nanner? Ideal. Medium ripe. You like a medium ripe? Yeah, I don't like it squishy. I don't like it but when there's liquid seeping out of will the you take some? Will you take some brown dots? What or you the, try to avoid brown dots? What are the brown dots again? They're, that's when it's oh, getting ripe. Oh, oh. <laughs> I will, you know, I like them when I cook like an oatmeal. Okay. I'll use them for that. So, uh, so but if there's like white fur on the, on the banana? You're not looking, you're not looking for mold. I'm not into that. You're not looking for mold. Right. Okay. Oh, Brent, what about you? Ideal nana ripeness. You're a big nana guy. Big nana guy. I, I like it ripe. I like, um, I like it borderline. And my house too. When once if if they get past the point of no return, sometimes we'll double by okay. by accident. Yep. We will turn those into either banana cookies. Okay. Or we recently started uh, bruleeing bananas. Oh. 
A and brulee so, is yeah. unreal. What is bro. a brulee? So, so Chelsea just picked up a torch that you would use for like creme brulee or if you want to, um, you know, put a sear on top of a piece of salmon. So you do the same thing with uh, with a banana. So you put it in a pan. Caramelizes, bro. Caramelizes wow. the top of it. So it's like breaking glass wow. on top of it. But it's it, it, it kind of makes it more sweet, too. It's it's, it's great. It's a treat. <laughs> you ever, hear, the, so, you ever so the, hear those stories of when people like meet their soulmates? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think this is, is happening. This happening? With the, with the bananas. <laughs> I've never met people so into bananas except for me. I'm like, anytime I go to a restaurant, if there's a banana dessert, I'm on it. I'm on it. Oh yeah. 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 We're all we're all banana enthusiasts here. A couple maybe two three weeks ago, I had this like blank stare. I may have been a little bit stoned. Okay. Okay. That's fine. That's okay. And what uh, happened to us? And Chelsea's like, what 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 are you thinking about? What's going on? And. I just I went down this rabbit hole of what it must have been like for that first chimpanzee or ape to try the banana to try a banana to decide I'm gonna I'm gonna unpeel this thing and see what I see give it a little smell test and and instinctively know that this is fuel this is what's gonna keep me that going must have been a good that must have been a good experience yeah, you're reaching you're reaching back that's like was, 2001 a space odyssey sure when, when those when they saw that monolith what was it a some sort of like <laughs> tower that popped up and they all started worshiping it yeah. i'm trying to remember or i mean or like it, it, it weirdly reminded me of that so. moment remember in planet of the apes when charlton heston's pounding the sand because yeah. he sees that you know the big reveal there so i don't know kind of yeah. similar right so in the morning jesse you'll do a nanner you're I think so you're a coffee you're on a coffee break pre-race so no caffeine. I'm gonna I'm gonna start my caffeine at about mile sixty. Okay. Or mile fifty and seventy five. So no caffeine pre race. Or up until about fifty. Okay. I'm gonna just try to you know run on fumes there. What's the code brown situation then with a five a.m. start? I'll drop it. I'll I'll yeah. I'll You're gonna drop T- the deuce? TCB before the race. You yeah, a sing- I will. Single deucer or double? I think I'm a single. Okay. I mean sometimes during a race if I'm going slow enough I'll I'll. Will you do a trail out. poop? I'll sometimes do that. Dig a little hole. Trail squat. Do a little dance, get down tonight. Make a little love, drop a little deuce, yeah. get down tonight. Yeah. What about uh, you? Have no. So, what time are you going to wake up for a five a.m. start? You're waking up in the hotel three a.m. You're in a bit of a time crunch there. Is yeah, that an we issue have, with we the, have to take a bus from Salt Lake City, and I'm yeah. about two blocks away from that bus. Okay. So I'm going to hop over there. What time's the bus leave? I think like four or something. So, what time will you try to be up to be comfortable to be able to get your Maybe deuce like out? Maybe like three thirty or something. Half an hour will be enough time I mean, for you every, to convert. Every minute I can sleep. You'll take. Yeah. But well, you don't have anxiety on the deuce. No, I just take care of it. If it'll I have to take it'll care come? Of it later, yeah, you just take care of it later. It's a trail race. It's not like a marathon where you're shitting your pants at mile 16 for the like cameras. That. He's a good guy. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't stress on the deuce. I don't care. I'll just not take for it. that kind of race. No, I mean. I, I got stuck once in a race called Grand Mesa. It's up on the Mesa in Colorado. Yep. And I love the race director, so I don't want to trash the race. The first 15 is the best. Okay. The 35 is out. You could basically be on any field in Iowa. You can't see anything. Nothing. It's just a bunch of grass and cow shit mm-hmm. and, and cow trails. Mm-hmm. Huh. And, there, and there's a few pine trees, and you're exposed. You could be struck by lightning. Did but you, anyway. Did you poop out there? I had to poop out there. Okay. And all I had, all I had at the nearby was very short grass, which wasn't going to cut it, and these pine trees with very sharp needles. I don't know what kind of pine Ooh. they were. But that's all I had. It did was you, awful. Did you pine wipe? I had to pine wipe. Ooh. Ooh, that's a hot take. That's a poopy hot take. <laughs> that's a tough one, yeah. I'm glad I could tell that story. I think you, you I think you just have to hope for a clean break at that point and yeah. just and just pull the shorts back up. It was awful. I love a I love a clean deuce. And sometimes in those Don't races you? you get a little bit of raw rawness yeah, yeah. down there. You'll get a little yeah. bit of rawness on the Some arch. chafe. 
And yeah. that with pine needles is not a good. Holy oof. fuck. Yeah. <laughs> that made me tighten my butthole a little bit just thinking yeah, about that. Yeah, that's horrible. Well, I'm glad you're not stressing on that. Okay. Let's go on to the last section of the pod. You boys ready? I'm ready. Yeah. Let's do it. Look good. What you wearing? Run good. So tell me about the trip, babe. I'm wearing a space blanket yeah. <laughs> for the whole race now. All right, Jesse, you're a good looking dude. What do you drip on these days? Does that mean what I'm wearing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. God. I know. I know. Getting old. Hard do to you, keep up. Hard do you to keep wear up those gla- Do you wear those groovy glasses of yours on your trail runs? I usually do, and I have like a I have like you have a some chums? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I wear that. You and just then, strap it up real tight, or do you just... Super tight. Okay. I don't like to be doing this. I don't no. like to be adjusting my glasses the whole time. You can't be. It's terrible. You get any chafe from the glasses? No, it's it's pretty. Pretty chill. Any problems? Sometimes I get like you know like sweat and stuff like on it gets onto my glasses. But you know if sometimes if I'm feeling bad, I wash the glasses and it makes my whole life feel better. Yeah. Okay. During during it makes my run feel better. But um during those races, um yeah that's what I'm gonna do and then. uh, What trail shoe are you in? I'm in the Hoka Torrance. You like it? I love it. Is that like your go-to trail or do you dabble? That's pretty much my go-to. The only pro- they're very light. My only problem with them is you do feel it if you step on a Lego. Okay. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the bottom. Mm-hmm. And they don't have a real, uh, what is it, the toe? What's the thing? The on to- the like the toe box kind of protector? Yeah, yeah. the, the toe box? Toe what box is, is like how wide that space yeah, is, the, but the, the, the toe, little toe like, protector so yeah, you're kicking rocks, it's hurting? I don't have that. No. Yeah. I'm talking like a plate. That's in toe there? plate. Yeah. Maybe or skid plate, toe plate. plate yeah. Most yeah. trail shoes have a little box. You can you can ding the toes up on the old rock. So that's the problem with those. But they dry pretty quick. They're very light. Okay. They feel cushiony. What color? Blue and orange. I think. Oh, nice. Yeah, that really helps. That's nice. Makes you faster. What kind of sock? Faster. What kind of sock you go with? So, that's a great question. I bought these socks that were um, blister proof. You know, there's this rule in running where you're not supposed to try anything new. Socks, on race day? The mm-hmm. socks claim they're blister proof? That sounds like bullshit. It was. It worked. It worked, huh? Really? I, did, I did them for my last race, and I didn't get a blister. And I was running through the streams, through the dirt, through the moon dust. Are they in the, gingies? I forget what they're called. Are, they, should, are they toe socks? This would be a chance for me. No. Okay. This would be a chance for me to like boost somebody's product. But it started with a B. I don't know. Okay. Maybe. Belega, maybe? Yes. It was probably Belegas. Yep. They were amazing. The, did your feet get hot? My only issue with no. Belegas is how thick they are. I had no problem. I had no problem. Now, how many how many pair of socks will you go through, ideally, in this race? I mean, race? I'm going to have, like, seven pairs, just yeah, in good. case. Mm-hmm. But I think, like, I made it with these in Never Summer a few weeks ago, the whole race without any problem. Yeah. Mm. And they look like garbage when I was done, but they worked out well. So if I can just keep the same socks, I will. Yeah. If I start getting hot spots. Well, we got some gifts for you guys. Oh, look at this. Volpine. Hey. Brent, you get some too, bud. Really? Bless you. I'm in the market for some socks. Medium so. or large? We these got Volpine feel like socks. like the same material. Those are, Volpine's quality material, man. It really is. Yeah, these feel great. Yep. And they got the, I like the where the la- they label the sock. They got the left, right. I'm going to wear these. Yeah, you should. Take them out there. So my, my, Theory is that because I always try something new on race day. To keep doing it. Because then I won't be trying something new on race day. Yeah, there you go. You're perpetually trying something I see. new. see, yeah. Wow, kind of like, the, like the, something borrowed, something new, something old, like the I will wear wedding a new day. shoe. I'll buy a shoe the day before. I'll do some stupid It'll stuff. It'll be some I'll crazy new, shit. I'll do some new nutrition. Okay. Wow, why not? What Roll could go dice. wrong? Yeah. What couldn't go wrong is the better question. Especially on this race. So uh, you got like a go-to pair of shorts that you pop on? The old trousers? Or what do you got? I don't know. You know, if you guys have ever done this, this is like when I put on shorts, I always see how high I can lift my yep. Yep. my leg. Yep. That, it's the hip hinge, huh? Some yep. of them are like a little tight. A little so restrictive. I'm going to find something. I might wear, 
a 5K short. And the reason I might do that, I did rim to rim to rim a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. And as I was running out with my pack full of crap and I was overdressed, I had a space blanket, I had survival gear. It was, you know, I'm running through there and this guy comes flying down the north rim wearing 5K stuff. Yeah, I'm probably with a handheld. handheld. Yep. And, and he wound up getting the FKT that day, this guy from Alaska. Okay. No kidding. But I saw him running through there. I felt like such an idiot. I had like 20 pounds of, of uh, tailwind in my pack. I don't think you're an idiot, dude. The Grand Canyon is like, you got to be strapped up and ready. Dude, I had an inReach. I had flares. <laughs> I had a refrigerator back there. And this guy hobby jogged right by it with a handheld. Oh, no, on. he was. Was he not hobby jogging? He's not a hobby jogger. Okay. He was doing five days. He ran like close to five minute, like sub six, 530 pace down Bright Angel. That's, at that's at the Grand Canyon, da- that's dangerous, dude. The guy's like smoking it, and he was just like upright. Like he looked like the big, the, the, the guy you'd see at the front of the five k. You know those <laughs> kids that come out and they drop a fourteen. He was one of those dudes. I felt like such an asshole. So you try to keep it. You're gonna try to keep it lighter then. You I'm tr- gonna try to keep it lighter on the shorts. Now later in the race, okay. I have all this warm clothes ready to go because I always get cold yeah. in these races, and that shuts me down. So okay. I'm gonna be really nice and. Because up at, up at Brighton Ski Lodge, mm-hmm. and above that, it's supposed to be in the 40s and 30s that night. Yeah, you're going to be dabbling. I mean, you're up that high elevation. It's going to get a little cold. So. I have all my winter gear. Okay, good. I've got some tights. Okay. I got a hat. Okay. I got gloves. I'm ready to go. What do you do on the uh, the old head? So you got the you got the seeing glasses. Do you transition to a shaded like sunglass at all, or you keep it all clear clear lens? You know, if I do that, I have to throw my glasses in my pack. I just want to keep it light. It's a pack. whole to-do, so you don't do it. What about a hat on these mountain efforts? I will wear, uh, I just have a hat I have from one of my Moab races. I put that on. Is it, it a, bu- a bucket or build? Just a, what is a trucker hat or Yeah, whatever, sure, sure. Or whatever they call it. Kind of what you, uh, Brent's wearing. And yeah. I'll take it, and I'll, if the sun's coming on my front, I'll put it there. If it's coming on my back, I'll turn it right around. Oh, you're not afraid to do the backwards cap. Uh, yeah, I will turn cool. it right the other way. Yeah, protect the, the neck. The sun rays don't mess with me. <laughs> protect the neck. Dude. Yeah, protect your neck. You got it. You got yeah, it. so I'll do that, and then later at night, I'll put on a regular hat. Like a beanie? Yeah, like a like a winter hat. Yeah, keep you warm. Yeah. And then hopefully you finish before the sun comes up, but you probably won't. You'll There's probably go no through way. two days. Yeah. Like, when, like Ultra Sign Up has me at 28. That yeah. puts me between 28 and 30, yeah. and then actually it puts me closer to 36. Yep, always. Is that? Give me that eight that hours. Uh, all right, gentlemen, we're winding up. Brent, right I'm, now is when I usually give guest hosts a little opportunity to give some advice. But we need I'm going to do something different. Yes. So Please, I'm, I'm introducing a new PRP segment. Yes. It's called Speed Work. Yeah. Because we all know, we all know that whether you're doing an ultra, or whether you're training for a 5K, speed work is essential. I love it. You yeah. know. So here are the rules. Adam, okay. I need you to queue up a timer on your phone. Okay. Queue it for two minutes. Your um. Where is it? You maybe use your watch. Oh, here it is. You got it? Here it is. <clears throat> timer. So while you're getting that timer queued up, here's the rules, Jesse. All right. We have two minutes to get through these five questions. Okay. So you got to keep it short and sweet. They're, these questions are kind of designed that way. But a little bit of background, what, why I think this is the perfect segment for, for Jesse Sweeney. Jesse's kind of known as a man of mystery within the Ann Arbor running world. <laughs> Everyone knows him, but we want to know him better. Oh, you know? boy. I'm loving so this. Here's, is this about the CIA? It is, I think. <laughs> okay. I'm so loving this. We, we're not going to blow your cover, but just, again, some some questions to get to know you a little bit better. Okay. Ready? Oh, you tell me when to start and queue it up. Well, as soon as I start going, you just you hit it. I have total faith in Jesse that he's going to he's gonna you know just burn through these. Okay. okay. Here we All go. Right. All right, Jesse. One race, any distance that is still on your bucket list. 
that oh, you boy. haven't UTMB. done? UTMB, any of the UTMB okay. places. Yeah. All right, so he's got to he's do a UTMB. Love that. One day. All right, which fictional lawyer do you think is most like you in the courtroom and, and, and off? Saul Goodman, okay, Perry Mason. Oh, my gosh. Matthew McConaughey from A Time to Kill or Tom Cruise from A Few Good Men? You know, uh, or someone else. Yeah. Brent, these are phenomenal questions. I really like, I really like the lawyer uh, that was in The Simpsons when he opened, his briefcase fell, uh, fell down and an apple rolled out. <laughs> I forget who, who was that. Phil Hartman who played that guy? I think that's right, yeah. That's probably. Okay, okay. That's probably my idol when it comes to law. Yeah, yeah that's okay. who you look to. Nice. Okay. Which PR of yours from your illustrious career do you think is the most untouchable for you that you probably think is is uh, sacred? Like untouchable, like I'll never hit it again? Yeah. My 252 uh, at uh, Grand Rapids back in 16. Or what pace 15. is that? It was like 633. I think. Wow. That is, that's moving, dude. Which one do you think is, is the softest that you think that you can hit again? Oh, well, well, there's a few Strava segments around town. One of them is the Bandamere Trail. I think it's Bandamere, and it goes north to south to the dam. Mm-hmm. And I would like to go in there and just burn that hard. I, I think I'm in the top 10 on that, but I'd like to actually get at least second. 30 seconds left. Okay, okay, here we go. All right, uh, other than the PRP, obviously, what is your favorite podcast? That's a great question. I listen, I love Democracy Now. It's not really a podcast. Oh, sure. Show. Yeah, and, yeah. And I really love that show. Yeah, isn't, isn't it nice getting yeah. to listen to your favorite, especially NPR shows, just yeah, on demand? I like when Noam Chomsky comes on that show. Shout and, out to yeah. Chomps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, last question. Food that you crave after a long run or a longer race? Oatmeal and then pasta. Interesting. Any, yeah. any kind of drink that you like? Ah. <sighs> That's I a really weird craving. Oatmeal and pasta after. Well, not too. at the same time. But like in <laughs> Either, the morning, yeah, yeah, yeah. after oatmeal. the morning run, I love oatmeal with bananas and dates and raisins. Okay. Got your bananas. My guy. In. Yep. In the evening, if I do like a marathon or something for my lunch, I'll, I'll hit the pasta pretty hard. Uh, drink? I don't know. I really like that orange Gatorade once in a while. Mm-hmm. That really mm-hmm. hits the spot. Yeah. I don't do it a lot. But. I like an orange Gatorade right. too. Yeah. Let me ask you this one follow-up on that. Brent, just phenomenal, by the way. Oh, thanks, man. Just fucking phenomenal. I'm, I'm floored right now. Pasta? You going red sauce or white sauce? Red, always. Oh yeah. You don't dabble with with white at all. No, I, I'm I'm lactose intolerant. Okay, so you yeah. keep it red. TMI. <laughs> Sorry. Keep the tomatoes in check. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was phenomenal. I don't have much to send you off on other than just to wish you good luck. Thanks, guys. I think the way yeah. you approach running and you approach things in your life with this kind of like lighthearted humor, with a sense of sincerity underneath, is like pretty unique and pretty cool. So I'm Thank looking you. forward to continuing to be your bud sharing some miles out there dude i love it if anybody wants any uh speed work tips just send me a message i i love doing speed work and sending speed work uh like five four three two one's my favorite we'll get you tagged up in uh, the instagram so people can reach out to you yeah jesse no cost have fun next weekend bro well this weekend rather god bless you guys good luck buddy thanks for inviting me thank you so much brett thanks for being on dude yep Cheers. cheers everybody cheers Season 2, Episode 15 of the PRP was recorded in Ann Arbor, Michigan, downtown at Ann Arbor Running Company on Ashley Street. All of these sweet, sweet jingle jams by the Honorable Sir Jacob Sigmund. Vini! What a dude. That was a blast getting to hear from him on a more intimate level. I hope you all enjoyed crawling into the beautiful mind of the Sweenster there for a bit. I sure did. Quick race report for you. Unfortunately, Jesse got hit by Yale DNF snake. 
Ah, yay old DNF snake. She'll get you. She'll get you, especially on those hundies from time to time, people. Look out. I think enough time has now passed for this to be a bit humorous for Jesse, but he ran into a plethora of unfortunate mishaps before and during the race, including rolling his ankle on the sidewalk the day before the race, which is just absolutely brutal, Jesse. I can't believe that happened, especially before a mountain race where you're going to be ascending and descending so aggressively. Kind of insane. He got stung by several wasps during the race, and his right hand and leg were swollen for days slipping on some rocks and suffering hamstring damage that made it unable for him to fully extend his legs when he was climbing and descending. Again, for a mountain race, that is brutal. Don't worry, gang. Several good things happened to Jesse out there. Wasn't all negative. He saw a moose. That was pretty cool. He had two beautifully clear sunrises, crispy as ever. It was a full moon at night, meaning visibility was rocking, people. And ironically, even though he said it was crazy that Mina had pancakes, he enjoyed some wonderful blueberry pancakes at an aid station on Saturday morning and loved every minute of it. Jesse, I know you won't, but don't hang your head, big dog. You went out unsupported and took a swing at something absolutely huge. You may have missed the finish line, but that's not where the prize lies. The prize lies within the experience, journey over destination every single time. And although this one was a bit rocky in more ways than one, you anteed up and that's all that counts. You're Michigan's rambling, running alpine man, and no one can take that title from you. Cheers to you and your unique and inspiring outlook on life and running and everything in between. Good luck at the Grand Rapids Marathon next weekend, buddy. I'll be cheering for you. All right, gang, that's a wrap. One quick reminder before we go. Don't forget, we just dropped the pre-race perk, Bodacious Banana Blend. Mmm, bananas. You know we had to throw bananas in it. You got to give this coffee a shot. I promise you, you won't be disappointed. I'll admit, I'll do it. You know me, I try to be honest and vulnerable. We lucked out a bit with how good this brew actually ended up tasting. When we were originally kicking around the idea of banana-flavored coffee, it was definitely a bit of a gag, a bit of a joke. But when the roaster sent us our first sample, we were shocked. We were floored. Mmm delicious people it's hilarious now look i'm a big coffee guy perhaps even urching into coffee snob territory so i'll give it to you banana coffee is not going to replace your day-to-day go-to roast it's not your monday through friday can't be drinking electrolyte infused nanner flavored coffee every day i get it but it's a fun addition to the bean rotation so you should definitely pick some up and half of all the profits from sales of the pre-run perk bodacious banana blend by long run coffee that's right. Go directly towards supporting your favorite podcast. So have a go. Get in. It's time to get nannered. Visit preracepodcast.com to order now. Word up. I'm out. Next episode of the PRP features two Detroit natives who are helping cultivate a movement that is extremely impressive and beyond inspiring. Who are they? You'll have to wait and see, but I'll give you a hint. Connect. Run. Build. Sweeney, give me a check, check, one, two. Check, check, one, two, breaker, one, two. Oh, it's perfect. We love when the sound waves look good. Brent, go for a little checky poop. Check, check, one, oh, two. Check, Brent. check, one, two. I may be impartial, bro, but I love your, I love your voice on the microphone, bro. I get that a lot. <laughs> what about this? That's my girl. There you go, sweetie. What about this one? <laughs> okay, uh, Brent, I'm going to...
I'm going to introduce you, and I figured we'd talk Bandit uh, a little bit, because I want to. Um, just to, how the summer's gone, what's, what's been going on. Anything else that you want to talk, like, talking points that you'd like to bring up when it's just me and you? Not really. You want to- Ren, I did have a question for you, which is, the Bandit organization, who is, is there like a board of directors? Is it a... It's pretty informal. It's um, it's a basement with a bunch of you know race equipment, and then anyone that shows up to run with us on Sundays gets a, a informal seat at the table. Got it for input on races and yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, what do we got? We, we got gotta, hey. We gotta pour some coffee before we. Or unless you want to do that while I we're do recording. I want to do it on that. Okay. When I intro you, let's let's let's. I mean, you could press it now if you want. Yeah. And then once I intro you. Let's get a coffee pour. Uh, okay. Work a little and live a little too. Work life balance. Oh, yeah. Sound really good. Sounds good in here. Some days it's just like I'm in here and it doesn't sound very good. And it makes me sad. But tonight, today it's freaking electric in here. Where's my phone? 